Exactly. I heard that. Exactly. That uh, that means that uh, this little device is recording. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode, another conversation in the Dissect Podcast studio. And uh, this is Mark. I'm here uh, with Michael. And today, uh, for me, this is, I don't know, it's, it, it, it's not the closing of a circle, but it's another circle on top of a circle. Um, ben Staley is with us. And uh, we were probably going to talk about shooting pictures because... Ben does a little, little bit of that. I think that's our common, most common ground. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, on a surface level, that's kind of, that's the connection. Yeah. And that's, we're both kind of admittedly psychotic about it, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I prefer to uh, obsessive. <laughs> or, well, no, actually, I, got, I have no preference. I just. Detail I, oriented. I, yeah. I'm detail oriented. Hey, yeah. man. Frame it how you want. Yeah. We all use plastic sheets when we kill somebody. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to get the drain hole put in the room pretty soon. Don't <laughs> make cleanup easier next time. The um, and in a way, uh, I mean, I'd like to. I have no idea even how we met, but I'm going to give my version. Awesome, because <laughs> I, I, I want to hear this. Yeah, because I, I totally. I'm also interested in yeah. hearing this because I don't think I've ever understood. I just saw it happen virtually. Yeah, which is sort of how it, it, it how how it happened, and and I don't know where I first came across a picture of yours mm-hmm. or some pictures. Uh, by some turn of events, I happened upon your Instagram feed because that's it was the only I think social media or it might have been. A Twitter thing. I can't remember back. I I've been on there. I am on Twitter, but it's like I I'm not. Yeah, I would I have, seen, I would have seen pictures. Yeah, no, yeah. and okay, it's so, like it was Instagram. Yeah, it was. So I'm, it was okay, your story. Your story. <laughs> so an Instagram thing. I see some pictures, and I read a little. I go to the website. I read a little bit about your background. I'm like, okay, this guy comes. This is how he ended up doing what he's doing right now, um, from the 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 uh, <clears throat> let's say rural beginnings. Um, this is a fucking cool thing, and. At the time, I was trying to uh, downsize a little bit, or at least to, uh, uh, I don't want to say get rid of, because it's because it, it's loaded, it has a little bit of a negative thing, but I was just trying to clean up some stuff, and I'd had these, uh, I'd had this Leica M6 body um, that shoots film uh, that I had not used in 10 years, probably. Last time, I was trying, thinking it when I ran across it, like, when was the last time I shot film? Well... Okay, it's now 2014, so it's not just 10 years ago. It's maybe a little bit before that. And uh, and I had saved all the lenses because I knew that eventually someday, you know, I might end up with a, like a digital camera of some kind. That happened. Um, and so sort of coincident with me getting my uh, the monochrome, um, the Leica monochrome camera, and starting to use the lenses again, I was just like, somebody needs this M6. I could sell it on eBay for cheap, or I could do something that I've, done a couple of times in the past i'm like this needs to get used i think i know someone who could use this because i've seen his work and uh i'd love to see what would happen if he had this tool in his hand and 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 i don't remember if it was a direct instagram message or something like that but i basically you know here uh, i've got this body i want to give it to you you get a lens and this thing is in the mail 
And as it happened, sometime later, uh, budget allowed, and he, like sent me a link and showed, you know, I got this, I got this lens coming, and I said, well. I'm actually going to be taking a road trip out your direction. I'm going to be in Ventura. I know that you're living not far from there. I'm going to be in Ventura on these couple of days, and uh, I'll bring the camera. And if we meet, I'm as soon as I shake your hand, then the next gesture is going to be for me to put this in your hand. And um, and that wasn't the start of the relationship, the handoff. The relationship started before that, but... Uh, yeah, and we've stayed in touch since, and and all I know is that um, uh, we will collaborate on something very cool at some point, or maybe on more than one project. And uh, that's sort of all I got. They're like this, that's kind of how we met, and and now there's a whole Staley analog feed on Instagram, which is you know basically dedicated to images that are shot on film. Uh, I'm guessing mostly or all with that particular camera, and it's getting used. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's basically the story. Um, it's, uh, I, I don't even know where to start because like the, the, the camera is such a special thing for me. So I'm just going to start there. I mean, it was like, uh, no, I'm going to back up. Fuck that. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, I think we met on Instagram cause I, I, uh, I knew who you were. You're, you're a little bit renowned in some circles. I'm not a gym dude. <laughs> like I wasn't, you know, I, I was aware of the gym stuff, but like there was, you know, I spent most of the nineties pretty aggressively, like just super passionate about climbing. And it was in Alaska. So it was mostly wintertime climbing because it's fucking mm. wintertime there all the time. And in the summer yeah. I just drive yeah. up to the glacier and we'd fucking solo around on fucking glacier Seracs. We had t-shirts on and it was fucking awesome. And then by the time the ice froze up, we were like in really good shape. So it was awesome. Yeah. And, uh, but there was this, I, I guess I just became aware. Um, and up there, this is pre-internet. There's no fucking internet. You can't, you can't get on social media and fucking, you don't know who you are in Alaska is kind of, out there away from everybody else like, there's like the last place on earth that internet came to well pretty much yeah <laughs> and like you just you just don't feel connected to the real the regular world oh, yeah. and there was a little climbing yeah. scene up there and it was really small and there was like a couple really badass dudes and a couple old timers um i climbed a bit with this guy uh john wyland um who my buddy that i climbed with worked in a shop and john would come in there and and uh, he was like a, had put up some routes with probably some of your friends back in the day, like Jeff Lowe and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he was a generation older than me and just like this crusty old dude who was fucking <laughs> awesome. Like we would, I, I loved it. Like I would go out with him a lot, just him and I, and we'd hike like way back some fucking canyon at five in the morning. So we'd get back like to the ice when the sun came up and, uh, then we'd hike out and he'd fucking pull a loaf of bread and a bottle of beer out of his pack, you know, and that was what he'd fucking eat on the drink on the way out. Wait, Science. no carbohydrate gel? <laughs> it, was, it was rad. But I just, I remember this, this article that was my favorite fucking article, the voice of dissent. And I was always looking forward to that shit. And I'm like, I don't know who this fucking guy is, but this shit is awesome. That, that column was short-lived, actually, because I had to dissent against the people who hired me. Right? <laughs> you, you dissented. It was great, man. <laughs> honestly, I was like, I was like, this is like, it just it just rung all the bells for me. So and I, it's like kind of weird to be here now to be talking about some of this stuff because that was like something that really shone out through all the like, yeah, man, this is like fucking awesome. And 
some of this stuff gets, I, I don't know if I should go there, but I, th- I just thought some of the fucking popular stuff is just, it gets a little masturbatory and awesome. And I just yeah. thought, I thought here's a voice that's honest. And that's the, like, what I liked about it was because when I went out and climbed and I wasn't, we were never world-class, although we were pretty good within the circle there. We were doing mm-hmm. stuff that most people weren't, a lot of people I mean, weren't if, doing. If you're good in Alaska, you're good everywhere. And you know, I we mean, were, we were doing some when lines. When it comes to mountains. Yeah. We were doing some lines and like, you know, I just felt like I, it wasn't always for me that, that time in my life was not always like, fuck yeah, I'm stoked, man. Usually I would get to the top of something and feel like I wanted to vomit. And like, I just felt like, I, why am I doing this? And yet, you know, on the car ride home, I'm like, I can't wait to do this again. And I didn't I, understand that dichotomy that was going on in my head. And I just, I thought your, your articles back then gave voice to the fear and to the mixed emotions a little bit. And I related to it instead of just like, yeah, man, this is so beautiful. And I've, I've, I feel so fucking fulfilled I, climbing this. And, and I conquered that shit. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. So, so I just related, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, um, and then when I moved to California, like I, I had this, I, I, I was like, wow, it's fucking warm here all the time. And like the rock is wonderful. Like I, I can actually rock climb and like, I don't have to worry about the rain and I don't have to worry about fucking I, stuff I, peeling off. I can't go ice climbing in my t-shirt anymore. Yeah. However, I can go rock climbing with no shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like this place is all right. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. But the, you know, I, I guess I sort of took that attitude in this small, I right away fell into this really cool group of, of people. Some of them are still friends of mine. Um, and they all kind of worked in the movie industry, but it was like, you know, we would go out a couple times a week and, but I was kind of the asshole of the bunch. Like I think only just because they, it's funny. Cause it was like, they were a little more leisurely at it than me. I was a little more aggressive and they would just be like, Oh, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm just, uh, okay. The difference between an Anchorage climbing attitude <laughs> and a SoCal climbing attitude, yeah. it, there, it's, it's, there's an ocean in between. It's called the uh, the Pacific. <laughs> I think it was just like, oh yeah, my knees hurting today, or oh, you know, my blood sugar is low, and I was like, no, you're fucking too weak right now, or you're too scared, and that's the only reason you're not getting up this fucking thing. They're like, you're an asshole, Ben. I'm like, no, you. I'll tell you right now, I'm too fucking scared, or I'm not strong enough. That's all yeah. there is to it. Everything else is bullshit. That was right? actually Scott's thing. Is there's yeah. there's like there's only three excuses. Yeah, and those are not good enough, not brave enough, <laughs> not strong enough. That's better. And he's just like pick two. Yeah, because it's always going to be two. Yeah, yeah. You're like because oh, one will lead to the other. Because yeah. if you're not strong enough, you're 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 not brave enough either. You know it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's and, awesome. And, and honestly, confronting those feelings of like being there. And this was something. I mean, you mentioned Jeff Lowe and. And one of our, you know, our, our, our first trip together, like the, I think the very first time we went climbing together, I mean, was, was in Nepal. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. uh, we met Charlie Fowler had, uh, not been able to go on this trip. They had permits for Kangtega and Nipsey. And, uh, he said, if you can get the money, dude, I mean, I know what you've done. If you can get the money anyway. So we go and and we come back and after climbing a new run on Kangtega, a new route on Lobache, and then. You know, he and I failed on uh, to climb a new route on Nipsey, and we came back, and I wrote the original "Kiss or Kill" article, and he read it, and he was just like, "Whoa, I don't that that's not the experience I had." And I and so some years later, we had a discussion about it, and and I said that was uh, 
I, I, I'd been to the Alps, man. No, actually, the first time we met was in Chamonix. We climbed the uh, the Bonatti route on the Grand Cap, and uh, um, and, and so the, the Nepal trip wasn't the very first time that we had climbed together. But he knew of my history and this and that, and and I was just like, yeah, I've been to Europe. You know, I'd never been to the third world. I'd never been on. I'd never think like I walked into the Himalayas and with this idea that every face is 3000 feet high because that's how they are in the Alps. You know, yeah, the Iger's six, whatever. Fine. You know, there's like a few anomalies, but it's like looking at these things, unable to comprehend that the, you know, the South Pillar of Nipsey. I mean, you climb that thing from if we had gotten to the summit, the face is 9,000 feet high. And, and like I, I was overwhelmed by everything. Everything took longer. Everything was harder. I was weaker because of the altitude. Virtually all of my skills get erased by all this experience. So I write my totally, you know, the common thread of my article is fear and being scared out of my mind and trying to posture up and like, be equal to the thing. And, uh, and, and so he, he was just like, yeah, I, I said, Jeff, of course I was fucking out of my mind with fear because this was an entirely new experience. This, and, and you, dude, I was graduating high school when you guys climbed the North Ridge of Amida Blom. I mean, for fuck's sake, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got to, so that whole level of, uh, uh, of honesty became a way for me to, like if I'm relating to my experiences honestly, then I get to grow. And if I'm trying to fake my way through or make up shit after the fact, then I'm never going to become better at this. I'm never going to be comfortable in this environment. I'll always be stuck in that fear-based thing. So let's, uh, let's, as Kristen says, make fear our best friend and hug it a little bit. And every now and then you get fucked. But uh, just like any good relationship, hug is often followed by... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> anyway, so so <laughs> you end up being like a total, you know, the <clears throat> the hardcore dude from up north that are making people confront their feelings at the base of the cliff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, a little <laughs> bit, and just a little bit, maybe a yeah. I guess that's a good way to. Put I mean, it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just yeah. making shit up, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I just kind of carried that attitude, and it just, I guess it just carried over, and so I just remember that, and I remember those articles, and I remember that voice. Um back then and I'm I'm not like uh I didn't really you know then I I kind of I uh, became a dad and I just realized you know I lost my dad when I was really young and uh, you know I came I had a couple really close calls climbing once on a on a pretty serious ice climb once on a mountain where I thought you know okay this could have gone the other way and it almost seemed like it was more luck than anything that i fucking did or my strength or my skill or my ability just like you know that could have easily just gone the other way and i wouldn't be here and then i just and i was never ever even close to like the level of what you were doing but doing you know but but still it doesn't matter you can still go away you're out there in the in the same environment in the environment and i i just thought which is the yeah the, the the challenging factor not the difficulty of the route or whatever. It's it doesn't like, matter what level you're at. You're risking the. You're gambling the same thing. Yeah. yeah yes. yes. S- same. Same yes. risks. Anyway, right. it's and, like playing on a. You know, you could go to the high rollers table. Yeah. Um, if you had that kind of income, or you could risk everything on the five buck table if all you have is five bucks. It's all in. It all in is all in. All in is all in. That's a good way to put it, Michael. Um, that's great. It's uh, I. It's just at that point I realized that. For some reason, there was something I needed to learn doing that activity, and I had learned it. And I, <laughs> I, I just realized that it wasn't worth it 
to keep trying. And I, the, the, it just went away. The desire to, to go and do these things repeatedly just went away. And I realized I, I don't want to selfishly fucking die mm. and leave my daughter without a dad. Cause that sucks. I know what that feels like and it fucking sucks. So there's plenty of other ways I can get freaking dusted off between now and whenever. So anyways, I just kind of, I just kind of stopped fucking reading magazines and I, you know, the freaking gear sat in storage. And then I just remember somehow running across you on Instagram. And I, I don't know how that happened, but I'm like, oh yeah, man. Fucking twice. Who's that guy? And I, I remember fucking, fucking hasn't grown up yet. No, <laughs> well, what it was is I, you know, I, I, I was drawn to the photography where I'm like, holy shit. And then it, all the, all the kind of words came back. And, uh, I was like, I kind of what we talked about earlier, um, because the listeners don't know, we've only been talking for like six hours. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like there should have been secretly recording, but I wasn't. Yeah. I did secretly record. Oh, actually. awesome! I've got about two hours of it. Oh in the, in the shit! <laughs> um, <laughs> high five! Fucking <laughs> shit! I don't know what the fuck we were talking about. Um, yeah. We'll use it against you later. Don't worry. <laughs> it was oh shit! It was uh, no, but we'd only actually resort to using it if you say no when at the end of this podcast or right now, I just say, look, I want you to be the guest contributor for the issue, the third issue of Rays. If you say no, we'll use whatever recordings <laughs> against you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't wow. know what those are, if they have any leverage in them at all. But, uh, but um, yeah. Wow. And maybe, and maybe issue six. I don't know. What's your, you know. What's your favorite number? <laughs> Three. 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 Perfect. But that's, that's, that's freaking humbling. Holy shit. Oh, dude. I, I, Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I I'll accept that, but I, I just have to say, look, this whole this this thing has been a two way street from the beginning. Yeah. So, thank uh, thank you, Mark. Uh, I yeah. I mean, I I just saw you know it was really cool to social media is cool. That like the cool thing is uh you know the connections and it just right away I I was like man look at all these cool f- photographs and I just see I see them they affect me the same way the words do. And I just see that I see that I see a singular voice, whether it's images or words and, and, uh, and then, yeah, we, I think we started talking and then you were like, Hey man, I'm going to give you this camera. And I was like, what the, I'd like that. Just, I don't like, I don't like to get birthday presents. All right. Like I, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it, and it, then, so you're like, Hey, come meet me in Ventura. And I remembered going out there. And I remember I met your friend, Josh, who was there. This is the part I remember is I, I hadn't met him before. And Josh rolls up and you hand me this box and it's like brand fucking new. Like the box is brand new, Michael. You haven't seen it. I have the no. box. At the, home. It's like a, the, pla- the box that the, the, the camera came body comes with in. Like, like, I, the, like a, a cardboard sleeve around it and a nice plastic, awesome, like that display box. That doesn't sound at all like Mark, that he would keep original packaging, even the plastic wrap. And... Or you're being facetious. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it, was a, it was like brand fucking new I think camera. He, he organizes cords like in like. And not not in how people think they do. They probably have the original fucking ties that go with them. And we're joined by Ross McGarvey. Hey, buddy. Standing. Ross, meet Ben. Ben, meet Ross. Pleasure. Nice to meet you. We had a feeling that he would pop up, and we're glad that he did. So we just started. We're talking about how uh, how Ben here received a camera. This one that is right to your um, the front of you. M six. M six. Yeah. I knew that. I've I've heard Ross on the podcast. Okay. Never met him. I, but he has he had the best voice on the oh, podcast. Oh, for sure. And he's clearly the handsomest too. Yeah. So it's like, I don't Whoa. know. Like one hundred percent of the Facebook radio. <laughs> 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 
Ross, speak into the microphone. I'm here, finally. <laughs> Thank God. Okay. Thank God. Jeez, it's like you and Morgan Freeman, man. That's an awesome voice. <laughs> if, if Morgan Freeman was really pasty white and ginger, <laughs> he would be me. You also look like Nelson Mandela. That, <laughs> I have been to South Africa and been told the same thing, right? I so, highly doubt that. But I mean, not that you did, not that you went, but I doubt that. Yeah, that I didn't get close like, enough to anyone that would be a. Able yeah. to pass that comment, yeah. <laughs> but you crack jokes about uh, DJing at the strip club. It's like you know some of my history. It might, it might be like I know some insider information. Well, I didn't. Know, I knew that you were a DJ, and that your 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 taste in eighties and nineties, uh, not nineties so much, eighties uh, sort of electronic music. Please yeah. tell uh, me is extensive, so I suspect there was something, but you've never dropped. You know, you shook me all night long in the gym, so I'm pretty sure you've never worked at a strip club. <laughs> I never worked at a strip club, but I was given um, probably one of the best job offers, like financial job offers um, ever when I was there, and basically it was described as you just kind of like play along and help illuminate women's boobs. I'm like, what? Il illuminate, like, like with a, a flashlight? spotlight? Music and... So before I was a DJ, yeah. I was a lighting jockey. So I did concert lighting and club lighting. <sighs> so uh, apparently I was deemed like literally the only like Mormon guy in town. They're like, I've got this job for you. Be yeah. the man for the job. <laughs> because, because you won't come. There'll be no Me Too issues. <laughs> nope. Nope. So, uh, so yes, I was like... Yeah, of all the people that worked in nightclub land in Glasgow, I got the. Have offer. you ever brought a dancer to stage named Chevelle to a perfect circle song? Because that's what I imagine you doing. <laughs> no, but I did do the lighting awesome. and DJ once for a fashion show in a heavy metal nightclub. And I mean, it was all like, I mean, you can imagine the fashion shows that take place. In this heavy is metal why I love Euro, yeah. There's such so, thing as a heavy metal nightclub. Uh, those I, don't exist here. They I'm don't? just like I'm no, thinking. I'm thinking. Excuse me, just one yeah. second, Mike. I'm thinking a lot of chain mail. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was more like shiny uh, PVC, PVC style. Okay, and like something you could easily wipe down afterwards. <laughs> so, I, so I it was wanna, the art yeah. school that that put on the show. So. I want to propose a question. Sure. Like in human history, how many Scottish, right? Yep. How many Scottish Mormon strip club DJs have there been? I think I may hold. This like, is a Highlander situation. Yeah, there can there be only can one. There can be only one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. So, like, whilst not strip club, definitely I've found myself in these unusual situations. I think for generally anyone, but you throw that Mormon card in and all mm. of a sudden it's like. Oh, it's really <laughs> out there. Yeah. So, um, do no, I we had Tool. No. We, did, we did the fashion show to some Tool songs. Yeah, that makes sense. Do, so. <laughs> should I address you as. Is there a title? Like, I mean. You know, when they come to my porch, it's elder so-and-so. Uh, as, as I worked in nightclub yeah. land, um, it, was, it, was, it was fairly simple. It was just Mormon Ross. DJ Elder <laughs> McGarvey? What the fuck? <laughs> no, DJ Mormon Ross. Oh, DJ Mormon Ross. D yeah. DJ Mormon Ross. You need a t-shirt, bro. Uh, I, I think we need a website. Me. Is that, that djmormonross.com? Yeah, DJ Mormon Ross. Like, yeah. So that's what we're printing over. The t-shirts. The t-shirts that the they failures. fucked up. DJ Mormon. Right? DJ Mormon. We, right. we have progressed on that. The timelines where we met. Nice. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I just... He learned something new every day. I know, I know. I thought I had a checkered past. <laughs> now you need to make that website, but it's got to be like full like 1996, like really basic. Yeah, with like <laughs> GIFs and shiny fucking things. and Only yeah. accessible on. with Internet Explorer 4. <laughs> and all in Flash. <laughs> only yeah. Flash. Yeah. You exactly. Can, so it doesn't work on any on, Apple devices. You yeah. can only access it through Netscape. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like a an Alta Vista kind of guy myself. Yeah. But. And it's got to just be all ad yeah. banners, yeah. like the oh, whole yeah. thing, and a little bit of text at the bottom. It, yeah. That sounds suspiciously like the '90s. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like Netscape. Holy yeah. fuck! I had a flashback, and it wasn't a good one. No, that it, usually isn't. Either that or AOL. It had to do with like a hard drive <laughs> the size of that mixing board that had like five megs of storage on it or something like that. Like, yeah. No, right. we have the newest, the greatest, the highest technology, 499 megabytes of storage. You're like, <gasps> yeah, that's oh my. massive. You're like, look, we've managed to get the Cray supercomputers down to the size of a small filing cabinet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now that would hold two pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My <laughs> iPhone is smarter than what NASA launched something to the moon. Oh, yeah. So. Fuck. That is... That is somewhat bizarre. Did, did you ever, speaking with like this uh, digital question, did you ever, this is the first time you shot film was on this? I had, I mean, back in the 90s, yeah. um, you know, I when we were climbing, that was when I, I always loved cameras, right? Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, growing up, the camera was kind of like the coolest toy, but we never had like an expensive camera on the house. There was like the little Kodak Instamatic type sure. things that we had. And then that I shot on 110 film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then, you know, right, right when I got out of high school, I bought like the best fucking $50 camera I could afford. You mm. know what I mean? Like the little <laughs> thing that came like in the plastic package with a couple rolls of film or whatever. And I had nice. that until actually till I started climbing and then I'm like, I need a decent camera. And I got like an Olympus stylus, really, oh, right. actually really badass camera, like stylus yeah. zoom, mm -hmm. um, you know, automatic, but had a cool zoom lens. And so that would have been after the XA. The Olympus XA was the one that had the, like the sliding lens cover that looked like a little egg on the front. That's what this had. This okay. was the egg thing. And okay. it was like, I think, and I still have it. I actually was, I dropped it in the, it's, I still have it at home in my closet on a shelf with a fucking roll of film in it because I was rock climbing at Malibu Creek in LA like literally right when I'm 90 or no 2000 I don't know a long time ago long time ago long fucking yeah. time ago and I dropped yeah. it you, there's this part where you to get back in the canyon where the cool climbs are you have to traverse over this fucking pool the like, creek yeah. The, yeah it's I don't know if you it's uh Anyways, it fell out of my backpack into the water <laughs> and, it, oh, and it fucking never would power up again. And so I've just never gone like shut off all the lights and tried to fucking get that film out. But it's got pictures on it. I still have it. It was an awesome camera. And then, but at that point I had already bought my first digital camera, which I was using mostly anyways, okay. which was like I had a, a Nikon Coolpix, which was like this yeah. cool thing with a twisty body. It was yeah. fucking awesome camera actually. Yeah. And uh, I think I, I had one. I had a Nikon. That was my first digital camera. Was a Nikon Coolpix. Those were the, the kind yeah. with the twisty body. I, I want to say it was like called the something seventy. I had the nine ninety. Is what mine was. Okay, right. And because I, I just actually threw it away like last year. I was cleaning out. I still I was, have mine. mine was, it's in it a drawer broken. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I wish I, I can now. I'm like I shouldn't have thrown it away, even though it was kind of broken. But it was like whatever. A three megapixel. Camera. I was just about to say yes. <laughs> welcome to the two megapixel yeah, camera or something. Yeah. Mine was three point three. Like which is like really. Yeah, that sounds but, about right. Yeah, I think then when Mark and I started talking and 
I think we were waxing, I was waxing poetically about film and I had been thinking about getting Ah, a film camera again and just really like, because it, you know, I don't know for really whatever reason. Really Because I, I wanted to be a fucking hipster, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I wanted to be like one of these cool guys. I got a but, refrigerator full of expired yeah. film I want to shoot. And Dude, and you could have done that, this easier. No. You could have skipped the camera. We could have just got you sus- some suspenders and like a whimsical fedora. Fuck, I know. <laughs> I know. And the, the, the tragedy of my life is I'm not hip and not cool, but I, I do have a cool camera. Yeah, now. That, is a, that is a way cooler way to go. The other one was a, a semi-joke, but... I'd, I'd rather have a cool camera than a hat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you still have a full head of hair, in, so... <laughs> in public... Let <laughs> that, that me change yeah. as... as yeah. If... I mean, maybe it's... So we thing. were actually talking about today shooting a little Pit Viper promo video. I think it's got to happen, man. I, it's a, you know, I think it's got to happen. And even I, if it's like... Even if it's like a... I mean, there's so many. We need to cut do. the sleeves off one of those fake descent T-shirts <laughs> first, though, yeah. and you know, cut a deep V in it. It could be a very I think it's good called a plunging, collaboration. A plunging, plunging V, plunging V. Okay, because we got a Pit Viper. I'm gonna assume that they would want to be a part of what we would call the Beer Erg Mile or the Beer Erg 2K. Whatever 2K, yeah, because be. a mile would just be like that's a lot of beer, um, depending on how. Like you, okay, you got to. See how how many meters is that? Sixteen <laughs> hundred, yes. yeah, or sixteen hundred and then two thousand, and then so you go every five hundred. It'd be yeah, similar. Son, I think it could be sixteen hundred. Yeah. yeah, it'd be similar. We could do every four hundred meters or something. Yeah, it would be terrible. There would be lots of vomiting involved. Yeah, um, in That's which definitely case, it feels like an outside activity. Yeah. Oh no, we, we no we ha- we have it all planned out. Okay, right? good, no, no, good, no, no, good, for good. sure. First, happen in the parking lot and. Uh, <laughs> And there'll be a fire truck to yeah. hose down the parking lot when we're done. And, and, the, and the ski ergs. And, and we should maybe like have a barbecue running at the side just so that as they consume the beer, it really, you know, they've got that, that they olfactory, really, you know, stimulation as well. I, I think that sounds awesome. Maybe uh, um, I was actually suggesting that we get Pit Viper to make a couple of pairs of like funhouse glasses so that when people put them on, everything's distorted. And so that way, when the asshole dude that shows up, like to, cause he pays his entry fee and it's going to be open to the public, right? Yeah. You know, people, anybody can come give it a try. Oh, and, uh, and all they got to do is basically cover the beer and the cleanup. So I figured like when the asshole shows up, we're like, yeah, we have a, cause you have to put on a mullet wig and a pair of Pit Vipers in order to compete. Uh, this might all be the social activities that are included into a dissect live event where we talk about serious shit and end it with basically a circus. <laughs> I'm seeing okay. a feature documentary here about this single event. <laughs> Maybe have Ian come down for that one. Uh, ben has volunteered to at least I mean, attend and, yeah. and as tribute. I'm flying in for that shit. I am not going to miss that. No, if, if this goes down, I mean, and, and, and that's actually how, how... I don't like that word F, Mark. I think quitters say F. If, you yeah, know, I, I okay. Think when just, just when, when that just when <laughs> okay. So when this goes down. <laughs> so anyway, but but that's it. this is how like you know Ben's living like the portrait you know the photography the stuff that we see on sort of uh, on the social media feed is that's the love work, but the actually you know the 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 other work it's I mean he's been here all week working on a documentary or I, I, is it a it, I guess it's a sure. it's a it's a pitch for yeah, a series oh. or whatever but i mean if you don't have to if you don't want to talk about it that's fine but but it's all it's 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 video work and documentary work and filmmaking okay, is so. sort of what you know that that's the the 90 percent that is you know of the iceberg that's below the water that no one sees is that that's that's where the i see how many snapshots you take like just on vero alone like the amount of photos that you put up 
I just assumed that you just did only photographs. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know about the video until today. I just assumed he didn't sleep. Oh, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> you put out a lot of image. And then being filmed too. I'm like, what the, what the fuck? Like I assumed you also had a dark room and that you processed the film yourself. I mean, I'm not that cool. I would be full hipster if I did that. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to go there in the future, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to get a bigger house. I want to make beer too. I mean, I want to make beer. I, I want mean, to like have my own dark room. I want to be able to fucking print for my negatives. Yeah. And uh, I want some cool suspenders. So the whimsical mustache yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely want a set of these. <laughs> I definitely want some pit vipers. <laughs> no, I, I mean get the shivers <laughs> just looking at you once you put them on. I'm uh, like, ooh. I I like that I, that it has that effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, not on you, but I didn't ask about cool. I didn't ask it, about Selena, right? I can only speak for myself. Yeah, yeah. When no, when I when I take these home, <laughs> I like to leave them in the office because if I take them home, she gets out of hand. The neighbors complain, <laughs> and uh, you're like, I like what I love. I like what I love. Uh, no, 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 no. I bought my home from City City Creek. Uh, yeah, or City Home Collective. Oh yeah. yeah. So I, it's not I like where I live. It's I love where I live because that's the whole she? thing. Love where you live. Every now and then, my real estate agent agent she calls me up. She's like. Hey, how's it going? I'm like, I love where I live, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And the smug face actually tells me that as you <laughs> deliver those words. So. I love how my property values have increased since you sold me this place. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to give her all the credit as well, but it can't I'd, be done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Christ, where were we in the in the the story? I was trying to find the, our the way stuff back. Stuff really rambles. It's hard to stay on track, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, if we wanted to go back, it, it, I mean, I don't know. So there was some climbing shit, and there was some photography shit, and then <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then a lot of shit and, in between, and, yeah. and, and a bunch of stuff in between. And I'm like, yeah, I got this thing for you, and I'm going to be in Ventura, and so come down and get and 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 uh, and you met Josh. First. I met Josh, and, so, and yeah, and he is a, a, a very dear friend, and uh, yeah. Josh is like fucking awesome. I met yeah, I met Josh when when you I met you and uh, I remember I remember you walked up and you, you I don't even think you fucking said anything. You're just like here. And uh and I looked at Josh. I didn't know Josh at all. Josh is standing there and he's kind of looking at me and I'm like, "Josh, cuz I was I was really humbled by it. It's it's not a on a surface level it's not a cheap camera, but I know what it means. It's just like it's 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 the meaning. To me it's priceless. To me it's it's my favorite camera I've ever had. The gesture is more valuable than anything. And so the gesture infuses all the photos I take with it. And so it's like, it's, it's priceless to me. I looked at Josh and I said, Josh, I mean, I just met him. I was like, Josh, what do I do? And he's, he goes, use it. <laughs> perfect. I, was like, I was like, okay. Fucking perfect. Fucking perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I have, and you know, it's been, it's, 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 a perfect machine. So it doesn't do everything, but it is the simplest camera I've ever had. It's a hundred percent manual. You don't even need a battery. Um, and I can't, I, it's impossible for me to take the kind of pictures that I've sort of trained myself to do. And so I'm, I've learned that I have to take pictures differently and that's awesome. It's made, it's forced me to stretch and to do new work. And then the, you know, now when I go, you know, overseas or go on these long trips for work, um, which I frequently do, 
for the, the, like for the video work for the video work for the you know a TV job or a film or whatever I'm usually I'll go someplace cold and fucked up for a long time <laughs> and uh, I is used that, to is I, that like on a tribute in, to, in the catalog you know the 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 whatever it is for the union they're like uh, we got a who's the cold and fucked up place for you know <laughs> shooter that we can call oh this guy's ben. from Alaska yeah. well, that's a hundred percent it is like if there's some fucking silly show some cold fucked up place that you want to leave right away i get the call for that stuff so and i used to always like my my joy and my treat for that started like i would go and i'd do this work and then i'd bring a camera and i would in my own time just go out and do the same fucking thing only take stills okay and uh i used to haul around you know i like i started i had a micro four thirds camera which was smaller and the lenses are small and light and then i Got, I don't want a bigger and better cameras. Now I'm like, fuck that. I only bring the M6 and I just bring, you know, half a dozen rolls of film or something or depends on how long it's going to be. And it's kind of rad. And I'm like, it's kind of freeing in that like there's a lot of pictures I don't take anymore. There's a lot of pictures <laughs> I can't take. And there's, you know, I don't have as many pictures from the trips I go on, but the ones I have, I like them a lot better. So we touched on this earlier and I yeah. kind of want to bring it back to that because like uh, we see possibly film as like if you're into photography you might see it as like a waste of time as in like i'm adding a bunch of steps and i'm literally limiting myself to what i can actually do given the speed of film that i pick and yada 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 um, but that produces a very specific result and you just kind of touched on doing something the hard way and it, it doesn't allow me to take the pictures i want and most people that are creative might might guess like Oh, well, that seems like a constraint that would not help you. But you illuminated the benefit of it just briefly by saying it makes me adapt. Like I can't take the pictures that I normally would with the camera that I normally have. Therefore, I have to figure out how to take the picture that I want to. And also in that in that same regard, um, you might shoot a thousand pictures on digital easily, like just shoot away. And when one doesn't work, the next doesn't work. You're creating a flow of sorts that's a nightmare to deal with, but you're also not missing a shot. You're getting exact. I mean, you shoot 20 frames per second, you can hit whatever you want. And uh, with this, it seems like, you know, one or two rolls and that's it. That's all you get. And the specialness of that, I don't think people realize the value to it, which is uh, if I don't develop my skill in a way that I can capture this moment in at least the only way that's available to me, I'll miss it. And uh, philosophically, that that just illuminates a whole bunch for me. It has nothing to do with the camera. It has something to do with um, <laughs> the scarcity of an experience. That's kind of what I see that you're going through. You're, you're going to places on the planet. You mentioned northern Siberia and being like maybe the fifth or sixth American that had ever been there. That's what the guy told me. That's what the freaking sure. guy, you know, I, my, my local fixer told me. But In knowing that area of the world, that could very possibly be true. But the, the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the fact that you're there with a film camera and capturing your experience on the off chance that you might miss it. Uh, a, it, it doubled down. You have to double down on, on your expertise a little bit. You have to know what you're doing. I mentioned multiple things that Mark talked about, like always having the... Uh, focus set on infinity to start and stuff like that that at least enhances your opportunity to capture an image i, I just uh, like it just i have nothing else it's not a question it's just remarkable that that certain individuals that end up in this room all like the creative limitations of hardship <laughs> right like you you do a lot of portraits mm -hmm. you have a beauty dish 
you have all these things that like when I was doing, you know, some beauty stuff, it's like the thing, oh, I need $2,000 to get this beauty dish and I need this, I need the money in order to do this. And that's what's going to make me the good photographer. And you mentioned really briefly before, I just, whatever, I have that stuff, but I don't use it. I go to this cave in fucking California that has natural light. Like my, my light that I have and the reflector <laughs> or whatever, it has dust on it. I'm like, okay, that's not a... He's, ta- he's not talking about like a creative sort of filter allowing dust to accumulate and then bouncing light off of it and it sort of diffuses in a really cool way. He's talking about he doesn't fucking use it. <laughs> wow. Do you find I mean, that the equipment makes it too easy sometimes and therefore you can't see what you like to see? Yeah, and and maybe, I mean, maybe I'm fucking lazy. Like I don't want to haul all that shit around and I don't want to fucking set it up and I don't want to fucking have to adjust it. But that's not, I mean, that's not really it. Yeah. That's kind of it a little bit, but, uh, because for, for video work, that's part of it. I mean, it's, that is a necessity of that craft. Yeah. And if, especially if you're doing a a commercial or a, you know, a job is for broadcast and there's certain things, you know, I, but even with, even with video, I, I just get it. I just get a charge out of doing a lot with a little. I get a charge out of like going someplace and 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 realizing a potential that maybe someone else didn't recognize was there. Mm-hmm. In that if I if I you know if I make someone stand in a certain place and then I stand in another certain place and and the lights hitting them in the in the right way and I just hit the button at the right time <laughs> and I don't think anyone else has seen that and they wouldn't maybe they wouldn't think to do that. Mm-hmm. Um and if I can, if I can make something as high quality and as kind of dynamic as possible with, with the least amount of effort and kind of efficiency, and really just recognizing what's there and taking it, I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that's that's <laughs> that's that's what that's what turns me on. It's like not, I not setting up a bunch of lights and like. I mean, I I could say some stuff that I probably really get hazed for, but it's like if you ever you ever watched like. You said, Michael, you've done fashion photography and you've been in that world. But if you ever, I did, I had this job. This is like fucking 10 years ago or something. And I had to edit some, I didn't even shoot the video. They wanted to hire me to shoot the video and then I couldn't. So they're like, well, can you edit it? Somebody else shot it. And it was like a behind the scenes of this fucking fashion shoot. And it was some big name dude and he was shooting some celebrities and uh, like female celebrities. And it was like, you could see, so it was behind the scenes and they show them, they're setting up this whole fucking set and there's like 15 fucking lights and a big, like 10 foot freaking dish and all this stuff. Mm. And there's like three assistants uh-huh. and the a tether and all that. Shit. All tethered. Some dude in a fucking $300 shirt barefoot walks up, you know, and he's fucking un- unbuttoned down to his freaking navel. You know what I mean? And there's like some famous model. They hand him the camera. Smells like rose They oil. hand him a fucking Hasselblad, <laughs> you know, digital camera. And he just starts, you know, yeah, baby, yeah, click, click, click. Like, <laughs> I can fucking do that shit. Like, I, I can, like, I can, yeah, baby, as yeah, well as I can, the next yeah, guy. Yeah, baby, but like, you <laughs> oh know, I can, I can have a team set up a whole bunch of fucking lights and I can put someone there and then I can sit there and peacock in front of the talent and get them to kind of fucking and, blush and wish it and was look. And wish it was me in front of the lens. <laughs> or something like just I I just I just don't fucking dig that. Like you know what I want? I want just I want a little bit of window light. And I wanna I wanna show somebody 
I don't want to get rid of all these fucking people that I are do. standing I, around doing I nothing. Don't. I want one camera and one lens, and I just I want to I want to not have to worry about anything else, and I want to get like something real and honest, like a real moment out of people. And you know, it is what it is. Um, I mean, and it speaks to like a lot of the the portraits that you shoot are done in your your studio. Yes, and sir. as far as I can tell, the studio is basically underneath a freeway overpass. <laughs> or something like that where there's natural light coming in and there's a there depending on the time of day there's sort of a hard line between light and shadow and and uh i just look at that and like well that's all that it really needs to make a photograph is some natural light and a subject well it's true it's it's a it's an eight lane section of of road and it's so it's it's really wide and deep and it's low, it's low to the ground. Mm -hmm. So the light comes through in a specific way and it's a big like dry riverbed mm. that basically runs from the fricking Mojave desert all the way to the fricking Pacific ocean. And, uh, you know, it used to be a fricking highway for like the native Americans traveling between like the Antelope Valley and the fricking coastline, you know, well, 200 years ago. And now there's roads across it and stuff. And I, I found it. You know, I just I was driving over it a lot because I live in the area, and uh, um, I just pulled off one day and hiked down there and was like walking around. And I'm like, hmm. And it's it is you know, it's interesting. I like it because I've learned you know the light's different in the morning. The sun rises on one end and it sets on the other side, so you have most of the light coming in on one side of the of the of the tunnel or the bridge, and then on the other end of the day it's coming through the other end, and then depending on the time of year. The sun, when it gets really low, will shine on the wall in a certain way. And so I kind of know that now because I've been shooting there for four or five years. And I I would just, depending on what I want to do with the subject, I'll tell them what time to arrive because I'll know what kind of results I'll get from the light coming in at a certain time. It's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I, for me, I, I there's other places I can <clears throat> shoot. I can shoot in studios. I, I have shot in studios if they want to pay enough. Um, but but mostly like if, it, if if left to your own devices yeah. you would rather adapt than control is what I just heard. A hundred percent. I I would rather, you know I I yeah you know and I guess I guess I would rather um I would rather adapt than sort of what's the the word I'm trying to that's escaping me is like I I don't want to like sort of enforce my point of view on it. I, I just get a charge from showing up and seeing what's there and then capturing it. Whereas I don't think a lot of other people would see that potential. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think it's cool what you can do with what's there yeah. and what you have with a little bit of creativity. And it's like, I think, you know, I think we were talking earlier, but it's just like, you know, your, I think your limitations really define your creativity. Mm. It's not like give me five assistants and a $15,000 lighting budget and a big and, studio. And, I'm and gonna, I need the shirt. And I need the shirt. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah. Or, or you see it come out, um, what's the word, uh, flagrantly? Like when when there are no other limitations, everything else gets um, bigger and more ridiculous. Like you see it in fashion all the time when you're like, hey, they have a $250,000 a day budget to shoot this campaign. And therefore we need some other artist to come in and put in some constraint. Like now we have to shoot this dress a certain way because it's ridiculous or we have to, they will artificially constrain it because the budget and the equipment thing isn't con contained at all. And I, I think that 
that's interesting to note is like, how do we make something interesting? And for a while in fashion, it was like, yeah, everybody has a $54,000 Hasselblad medium format. That's what, that's like the given tool that you're supposed to shoot. Therefore, you know, the, the resolution is a, isn't a, a thing. And so the next big thing for people to do was like, uh, I need to make a name for myself by shooting on a disposable camera. So there was a guy who went around for, and I think he was like a staff photographer for Vogue or something. So he'd just show up to a shoot with like a box full of disposable camera and he would do the same thing. He'd just be like, yeah, baby. Yeah. Like show me the thing. And then, you know, whatever the hoopla that goes along with ridiculous, you know, fashion photography in the pictures are what they are because he needed some kind of, there were good pictures because he needed some kind of limitation. And, and that also gave him like the creativity behind like, oh, I use this really stupid format and that is a niche and everybody wants to know what they can get out of this stupid little limitation. Therefore, he was a big name for a while. But as soon as we figured out that like, oh, yeah, okay, that guy can do it. Um, now we need something different. And, and then the limitations were never based on that in fashion photography. Now it's based on like what you can get away with. Like what kind of statement can I make politically? What kind of statement can I make culturally? Uh, which is a, is, is a very cool part about fashion photography is like it, it, it can sometimes move past the boundary of I'm showing somebody wearing clothes and it becomes a remark about what our society is saying about sexism and people and yada, yada, yada. That, that's a, that's kind of a cool part that comes out of, I think of other, the limitation of, of photography and fashion but uh for for the most part i agree with you like i i love when there's a limitation that allows you to work around like it's an obstacle in your way and you need to work with it as opposed to if you give me a limitless budget uh limitless equipment the best talent fuck now like what are you gonna do do you feel like it's becoming more of a checklist i mean when you say well you know here's a fifty-four thousand dollar camera here's your lighting budget I mean, do you, would it be fair to say that a lot of these creative photographers are actually neutered and they don't even know? Like they've neutered their own creativity because everything's becoming much more automated. The studio lighting is always one of these four things. The assistants on set, does that make sense? Like you, you sound like you've got that idea of limitations. You have to, it kind of forces and thrusts creativity on you. Whereas if you look at a lot of portrait photography, it's all the same. You know, because it's like we've got the same lighting setup, we've got the same camera, we're using the same filters, we're doing all this stuff. And what we're doing is actually we're just reproducing what people have already demonstrated that they liked. Yep. So are we really, I mean, I come up against this in my job all the time. We get hired as a creative agency, but we don't actually get to be creative. We get to copy someone else <laughs> because that's what... Who they, was at one time 10 years ago, creative. Yeah. And then it just got copied and copied and copied and copied. And then... <laughs> I mean, now it kind of if you went back to the original thing. I mean, that that, just, that you know, that statement comes from someone who's in in the fucking trenches because that is the reality of, okay, you want to be an artist, you want to be a creator, you better fucking get used to copying what other people are doing because very few people get to stand up and actually, hey, go do your thing. No, it's like no motherfucker, we're paying you and we want to look like this, and, and that's the reality of being an artist for hire. Yeah. like ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah. So regardless of the medium, regardless of the medium, um, if it's a if it's a freaking you know a, a TV show or a photograph or you know whatever it is, um, I would say yeah. it's because true creativity needs to risk failure. 
And that's the last thing that a company saying, quote unquote, that they want creativity wants to do is risk failure. They want a guaranteed creativity, which is the antithesis of creating. You, the people that do, and, and, <laughs> they try to map this thing all the time. They try to say like, and I, and I hear it all, like we hear it with marketing and media and, and how to start a business and how to do a startup and you need to do this, this, and this. Like no one knows how this actually works out. And nobody wants to admit that it's fucking luck. Like nobody wants to say like, okay, you need some prerequisite skills, right? For whatever creative process we're talking about. It could be a business startup, which, you know, you'll hear all sorts about you need to do this, that, and the other, but that putting you in that defined path is also limiting where you're able to go. Yeah, the road is smoother if you do these, but it's also limiting what the possibilities are and if instead you take the wheels off and you're like i'm just gonna like i'm gonna risk everything this thing could fall through but i'm gonna do something different that i think is a good idea and it could totally blow up in my face but that's the beautiful part about that and what will happen is it might work out and then it becomes wildly successful but then assholes will come and copy it thinking that it's the roadmap to success as opposed to the roadmap is actually the exact opposite it's 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 risking everything as the roadmap, like putting up uh, whatever the hours that you might not be reimbursed for. It's putting up endless nights of thinking about how to make this thing work. And I think that that uh, putting that into a putting it out into the world, saying like, hey, to be creative, uh, you need to fail, and you need to know that failure is a part of that process, and that that's okay and that you're gonna piss off a lot of big companies that hire you in order to be creative, and it might work out only one time in 10. And that's funny because if, because when clients come to you, they're like, no, I really wanna push the, push the limits. <laughs> you know, I, I, wanna, I wanna do something different. <laughs> How quickly that changes into really fair, really different fair. just like these people. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, hmm, okay. And it'd be really good and you go and you kind of conceptualize and you kind of say, okay, here's, here's some options taking the essence of what this other group has done. And they're like, I see what you're doing there, but can you make it more like what these guys did? And then it comes from this, it's like, it's not about the essence, it's about the literal, you know, transition from, well, our shade of pink's slightly different. Oh my God, I'm gonna actually bring this to fitness. I'm gonna do it, guys. <laughs> oh, please. I'm gonna- do you like that? That was like right. a low right. ball. Yeah, just yeah, like- yeah, yeah, I'm ready, dude, because I couldn't have hit that pitch. No, I, I, this is a, a real thing, but joking aside, um, we had a, a female, um, she, she was a, a fighter client of ours that had retired and wanted to come back to it. And everybody concurred that it was a terrible idea. Like everybody was like, well, it's been a while. And the odds of you succeeding are very, very slim. Um, and, and although like, that'd be great to like jump on board and get a paycheck to help you prepare for this thing. The consensus is, is that it's going to be a failure. And, but I had one question, like, uh, what happens if you lose? And the answer reasserted everything that was important about it. I don't fucking care. That is unimportant to me. I want to go in there and swing and hit people and fuck things up. And I was like, throw the horn let's fucking do this like that's what well, sounds like you're I making about you and how you feel and how you want to express yourself rather than what society dictates as success if you walk out that cage yeah. and go that was a ride yeah i've still got it and they but you lost no but it's not about you uh, not about only me. that i won not only did that determine what i think of this person which is forever a positive like just the idea behind 
it doesn't matter. Like the perception of what people think losing is isn't losing to me. Winning is getting in and testing myself. And okay, you have endless possibilities because that's how you think about the world. Therefore, I want to be attached to that. Like failure now is not dictated. You just redefine failure for me, which means like whatever I do, it's just to help this person in in their mode of success. And that that to me is 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 creativity. Like you're redefining what people think of you in the fitness realm. Oh, I, we can. <laughs> Mark shakes his head. <laughs> but but that's a I, disbelief. <laughs> but it's so funny. You but that you have to spell that out. Mm-hmm. You know, I you see it in, across sports in general and. And you just start shaking your head now, Mark. I've been watching a lot of basketball. It's the playoffs recently. <laughs> I've, I've heard. I know. Well, it's a part of my I past. Find, I finally you know. figured out that the Cavaliers, that's yeah. the sport they're involved in. Yeah, yeah. you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just assumed I saw a sword. It was something slightly different, a bit I, more chivalrous than y- the yeah. basketball. A bit more chivalrous. I don't know. That game-ending shot was fairly chivalrous. Well, How do I know that? Yeah, well, I, I couldn't avoid knowing it since I tune into social media sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but, but take about that. If that shot had gone a completely different way, yeah, phew, he choked. Oh, yeah. We depended on you and, you know, his interview afterwards was, it doesn't matter what people see. It doesn't matter what they do. It all makes sense. And all his teammates were like, he actually practices that really weird shot in the gym, like <laughs> over and over again. And it's, a, I mean, it was this like, go left, off one foot, floating bank shot that won the game. Is that last night? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was like, I, I don't know, I was at a Even restaurant Michael. and people erupted in cheering and then it replayed like 9,000 times. But what was funny about the whole thing was he was being guarded by a rookie. And <laughs> I saw a tweet that's like, everyone else in the world knew he was going left rookie. Because he's like, he's like, well, this is what I should do. And he's weak. We're going to force him down his weak side, his left side. And you're like, you're an idiot. He's like the greatest player alive on earth right now. And you didn't think he'd come up with that and thought about every scenario. So, and here's what gets interesting. I fucking hate basketball. The idea of it just drives me crazy. But everybody will... Taking it back to fitness. Well, everybody will reverse engineer this success and they'll try to ingrain this. And what they won't know is that leaves gaps towards other people to actually be creative and to practice things that would work. So this whole like... Uh, I forgot what they call this paradox, but it's basically uh, math, uh, the Department of Defense uh, before I forgot what it was called. But uh, during World War Two, uh, the Department of Defense, uh, it was called something else. They hired mathematicians and statisticians as part of their defense uh, program in order to figure out all the mathematics involved in war. And one of the most famous projects was they would... Um, this really brilliant mathematician from Austria that they imported him kind of deal after the war started. He would have been killed because he was Jewish. Uh, and his name escapes me, but people will know and, and hound us for it later. Um, they brought in all these shot up planes and they're like, hey, these are the shot up planes. Show us how to like, show, show us according to your math genius, how to armor this plane so it we can protect the parts that are blah, 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 blah. So all these statisticians come in and they're like okay there's this many bullet holes on each here's the centrifuge here's all this and they go down this weird statistical nightmare and this one mathematician shows up he goes guys um we armor the parts on this that uh aren't shot because these planes came back 
you're looking at it completely wrong. Like his creativity <laughs> was insane. Like <laughs> the planes that yeah. these planes made it back, so therefore they can get shot to shit in all these this same is places. Not actually a failure. Yeah, we do. Not, this is a success. We need to armor the places where they're not shot. And it was like a oh fuck moment. And the, and it's true. But this same problem comes up where you're like you're only thinking about the thing that has a bullet hole in it. Like it's the whole. Uh, what do they call it? The Texas sharpshooter fallacy, where it's like, yeah, you shoot a bunch of bullets at a at a barn, and then you take the tightest cluster, and then you draw the target around it, and that's all people are doing with this sport now. Is like, oh, that one time, that one shot made a thing. That let's all focus on that shot now. Yep. And they did it with basketball with the what do they call the full court press, and then they did it with the same thing. Uh, when when they started, like statistics came in and they were like, hey, if you just shoot from a free, a free throw line, your odds of making this shot are only exponentially different. And they changed the way that every single team now plays. And it'll change the second a team deviates from what the majority is doing. And it doesn't mean that what that minority is doing is correct. It just means that you are just shifting the angle mm-hmm. slightly. You're being more creative and risking failure. What What won't what people won't remark on is how many times that doesn't work. It's like, they're doing this, they're going right, I'm going to go left, and that works one time and you become the phenom. But when it doesn't work, no one actually analyzes it. it exactly. Because nothing, like it just goes, oh, you know, they were doing this thing and nothing happened and nobody scored and nobody, you know. This is the file cabinet problem with research, right? So there's something called, <laughs> like this This is a, an actual problem. Um there's something called uh, statistical uh, significance. And significance in science has a different realm, but basically you're unable to get a paper published in a scientific journal unless you can show statistical significance, which means there are millions of research papers out there that are unpublished and unknown about that show that something didn't have a, a, you know, a p-value of 0.2% uh, basically. And what that shows is all the innocuous stuff that things do or all the things that we studied incorrectly. The only thing that you do publish is something pops up and it goes, oh, it's more than 2% significant difference or whatever. So now all we're looking at is research that has a difference, but the, the non-significance has more implications sometimes than the significance. And so now we have a problem. This is why we run into so many, you know, what we call science problems where uh, well, I, I, reporters only talk about the things that are significantly different, but that doesn't necessarily point to the whole picture. So that file cabinet, mm-hmm. they should digitize that stuff and put it on the internet <laughs> <laughs> so people can search for it. I'm so- <laughs> you think that they could, like you think that that would be kind of a, an easy thing to do. I don't know. I smell a domain name. I think you guys just got to get... Yeah. Put your brain's in that one. Yeah. Statisticallyinsignificant.com. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> are you are you describing ex-girlfriends? Is that is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. The ones that pointed towards something that were insignificant. I uh I, I don't think I'm not permanently logged. It's gonna take me a oh, second yeah, to log gonna, in. That's so okay. please talk amongst yourselves. He, well. he doesn't have his iPod. I, sorry to bring out. this from such a good subject into a boring one like no. that. I, I see this all the time when people are look. I just see the shift. Maybe I'm painting with too broad of a brush to say um, there, there's a correlation here. But how I see it is uh, well, you should try to do something different. And you should totally risk being a fuck up. Like, that, that, like that's okay. I, in fact, I would rather leave on those ends. Because I've fucked up almost every profession that I've ever done. 
but I would also like to think that I've Including risked podcasting. <laughs> just it's not to be a profession. Clear. He's not getting paid. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so. this is, I'm an amateur. <laughs> it's a hobby. Amateur podcast. It's a hobby. Yeah, something like that. Um, I, I I took a lot of risks when I first started photography and beauty and all that stuff, and you know it didn't pan out. Like I got a couple cool shoots. I got a couple really good paying gigs for a couple years, um, but ultimately. I wasn't willing to, I think, risk what I really should have. I fell into that trap with photography. I was started looking at what other people are doing and reproducing uh, because that's what paid the bills. Like, you know, modeling agencies wanting a very specific comp card or wanting something that looks exactly like something else, you need to be able to replicate. You get paid to replicate most times, not paid to innovate. It's true. Um, and, you know, that's that's how the world works, I guess. I mean, it's, it's uh, I, I honestly, at this point, I I don't uh, I don't fault anybody that mm. I get it. You're you're mm-hmm. putting down your money, you're investing. You want a certain result. People are they are you know going to gravitate to what they've seen before and what's comfortable and what's familiar. Um, and I understand if you want to be you want to work professionally um, in entertainment mm-hmm. or in you know fashion or in some you know marketing. You certainly know. Ross, I, I think uh, you have to understand that you have to make something that's palatable and people aren't going to fucking fund your little art project. And you know what? <laughs> why the man. fuck should they? Mm-hmm. And why do you deserve someone to give you a lot of money so you can go off and do whatever the fuck you want? And I sort of arrived there and I'm okay with that. Because I have a lot of followers. Yeah, who fucking cares? So, you know, <laughs> I, I, just, I just decided I was going to take like things that I'm passionate about and pursue them as aggressive as if they were a client. Mm-hmm. So I'm my own client, mm-hmm. you know. And I'll, I, I do, uh, I do photography professionally. Although most of my work is on the filmmaking side. And then when I'm not, people go, well, "What do you do for fun?" I actually work for fun because I mm-hmm. like what I do. And I'll find a project or I'll find somebody to shoot, and I treat it like a job. And but I, but but I can be looser. I can risk failure because I don't I don't risk failure as much on my jobs mm. because I want to get another job. Sure. Because I have bills to pay. And I'm okay with that and it's a choice and it's like what we talked about earlier, it's for love or it's for money. And if it's for money and someone's going, "Hey Ben, we're going to pay you a pretty decent amount compared to what I made when I was 19 years old." We're we're going to we want you to go here and we are expecting these results. I'm going to fucking do it. And they're going to know that they can rely on me. And whether I think it's the best thing or it's art or whatever, I agreed to do that and I'm going to deliver. Mm. And I do. I think it's important to find balance in that though. It's a lot easier to go and put that in a box and say, this is work. This is just what they are getting what they've asked for because you've carved out this like creative outlet where you actually just get to do your own thing. Because, and I don't think that people recognize that. I hate what I do. Clients are dicks. They don't know anything. You know, I've done this for the 15th time in the last four months. And you're like, you need to just take some space. And take ownership. Yeah. And educate yeah. them a little bit and show them possibilities. Show, like show them your portfolio. A, show them what you can do. Yeah. And, and just show them possibilities. It doesn't mean it's like, it doesn't mean you're like a, a whip dog and you're sitting in the corner and you're just doing what they want you to do. I mean, you, you know, I have opinions. I'm vocal about them. I'm sure you're sitting in this room. Yeah, so. <laughs> and, most and people nobody, don't make it. And if they but don't, seriously, but so. at the end of the day, you got to do you. You've got to do something within what they want. I mean, mm-hmm. I do a lot of most of my work is television, and it's you know I do like stuff for Discovery Channel 
or Nat Geo and that kind of thing, usually going to cold, fucked up places. But, you know, there's there's certain, it's a certain type of programming. It's a certain type of audience. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily my favorite kind of stuff, but it, it's got to fit within these boundaries. Now, in there, mm-hmm. I've been able to sort of subversively sneak in some stuff that maybe wasn't exactly planned for, and I get a charge out of that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them what they want. I'm also gonna give them the fucking little ten percent of my own needs. secret sauce. Yeah, yeah. I'm also gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna hide my signature on this painting. Essentially, <laughs> I did. I did. One of the things I was thinking of this the other day is I did this show for Nat Geo. This is like. A long time well i mean like seven eight years ago now mm-hmm. it's one of the funnest things i've ever done actually professionally like i out of what i do now I, if i could still be doing that i would do it. it it was a law enforcement thing and i basically got to run around in the woods with cops and it was kind of it was kind of awesome but we had we had i'd done this big story that we had been working on for a couple weeks and then we were all done and uh so that's just one word away from like childhood, which is running around <laughs> the woods yeah. from the cops. No, it, it was <laughs> as opposed to with. It was that, dude. I got to I put on camouflage sometimes. I got to yeah. paint my face. I was belly crawling in the woods up to guys with guns, like legit. Nice. It was awesome. But we had this. We had this one case, and I was like, I went back. We we had finished it all, and I had this bright idea, and I'm like, you know, we we had this really cool editor who would do. He would make these cool what we call a cold open, which is like the kind of like a little visual thing that teases an episode or whatever. And he was really good and he would think outside the box. And so I'm like, I got to get something good for Isaiah. And I went back to this one particular cop that I was working with and we, you become friends. So we, we go back to his house and we're in his office and we're drinking beer and we bought some pizza and we're sitting on the floor of his office. And he had like a, he had a, like a, some deer antlers and I just put them on the floor and I had him take his led flashlight and he was like creating all these shadows, shining them through the antlers, and I was filming it, and I did, it fit with the story, and I did this whole fucking weird music video, surreal, like slow motion, shooting these deer <laughs> antlers with this, drinking beer on the, on, the, on the floor of this cop's study. It was on TV. It was awesome. Nobody would ask You're me like, to do that. This is my fucking job. And I'm like, this is kind of <laughs> awesome. Like, okay. I mean, I have to do some stupid yeah. shit here to, to make this happen, but I I, I squeeze in what I want to get. Sure. You know, and, and in between that, um, you know, like Mark, whatever, the photography is real passion. And mm-hmm. I like shooting people and I get to go to a lot like, you know, I've been to most parts of the planet. I haven't been to Africa actually ever, but uh you know, I, I like shooting real people on the streets and mm-hmm. doing that. So I, I just, I just aggressively fill up my free time with play work because it keeps, it sort of keeps the soul clean. It keeps the engine running clean. Yeah. It keeps me from getting like depressed about, you know, whatever kind of other bullshit I have to deal with. Plug it work. into formula. Yeah, exactly. It keeps you know. the soul clean. Keeps I like the that. soul clean. It's kind of an, yeah, that's exactly what it is. You're like, I'm not selling out completely because I've got this thing. It just helps erase and Yeah, and I think making that, making that distinction is very, very important. Like, you're a professional. You have to do what you were hired to do. And sometimes that's not ultimately your absolute opinion. Um, and there, there, there is a distinction there. I, I think most people are worried about not getting hired. Therefore, they can never live up to the possibility of what they could be. And I think in, in most of the things that I've been at least okay at i've been afraid of being hired because i always have a fear of like having to live up to potential 
that, and there's like hey, <laughs> shit. You, now I got to do it. Yeah, and I'm like, oh fuck, I talked a lot of shit. Now I have to pull it off. And that that there, there's a fine line between switching back and forth between the, like jobs that are easy. I don't want to get hired for jobs that are hard. That I don't want to get hired. for. I don't want to get hired <laughs> because I'm in fear of failure. And like, okay, that means I need to go down that realm. Like I don't, I need to let this hesitation not stop me from progressing. Um, that was a, that was a great way to put it. I just imagine you, uh, now trying to live up to that, that feeling that you got from that one shot of like, whatever that, that moment in time that you have an image of your head, I now have in my head. And I imagine every job you're like, how can I make that like this? And now get, and cause that, that then becomes the trap. I but. traveled, I go to every job with some deer antlers just in case. <laughs> <laughs> some pizza and some beer. Um, I, I think we've, we've done taken a mundane job that we've been hired for, whether it's like transformations, which I think are just as boring as you could possibly get. Um, but we've put a lot of creativity and a lot of emphasis on the pressures and, and the, the time constraints or the situations. And that allows you to make it interesting again. And, and that's a boring profession, like making people lose weight. That's a stupid profession. But if you can do it in an interesting way that entertains me, which at the time is usually like psychological knowledge or getting people to um, change their behavior. That's really interesting to me. And it just happens to do with this thing that people are obsessed with. You should have worked in the lab because well, you probably would have got a lot more out of it if you can just mess up mice rather, rather than humans. <laughs> you know, let, 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 me, let me give you my perspective. Mm. And like, I, uh, I'm not really a gym person. Like I walked in here and, and uh, we're talking to Paul downstairs and I'm looking around and and he's talking about like and, these injury workouts yeah, and, and you're just like and I'm glaze like, over. I, well, no, I didn't glaze over. I was thinking, I'm I thinking mean, I'm the biggest fucking pussy in the room right now. And then, and then, uh, but then he started talking about the, the little entry level thing. And I'm like, fuck, I've never done a skier in my life. I wonder if, would, 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 would that crush me? Now, now I've been actually thinking about it. Like, what would that feel should like? Should I just fucking go down there and do that? I wonder how, would, would how bad would that hurt? I could probably do the fucking... That's how all great workouts start. It can't uh, be that bad. But, uh, I mean, it's 10 minutes, right? Fuck it. But I don't want to get off track. Where I'm no, going no, no, is... No, no, that's on track, actually. You just don't know it. No, I think... Listen, I I just think that... Um, okay, you, you guys have done, like, training at a pretty high level. If you want to talk like, oh, fucking Hollywood's the, the cream of the crop, right? That's the highest level you can get is just to be fucking with Hollywood. But... That's Honestly, what most people would think from the outside, but it's yeah. actually the the, the top tier military training for me. That's like yeah. the, is the, is the, the cream, the, the cream of the yeah. crop, and actually the most important. But and I look probably so. But the the but point still, is, yeah. you guys have 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 operated at the highest level, and not a lot of people can say that in their given field, you know. And and that's pretty fucking awesome. You're also, forgive me for saying this, a little bit cynical about it. I'm sensing some cynicism. <laughs> And, and, uh, and, uh, but, but I think Michael, Michael, he said a little bit cynical. So could you please turn up, turn up the cynicism just a bit? You just gave me permission. I think think as an outsider and as not a gym dude, although, you know, uh, who doesn't really know what half of that equipment down there does or how to do it. I think, uh, I think what you guys do is fucking awesome. And what you, what you, and, and I, I hope that you're being a little tongue in cheek with the cynicism because I think what you've done, you know, together and with, with your peer group is help people realize their potential because people don't always understand what they can be. And they, they, because they're, they're, they're shown this idea of what they should be. They don't really know how to think beyond that or understand what they could be. 
they only just they, they see one thing and they don't realize there's so many other possibilities. It's like and, okay, and one thing is first a goal and then a limitation. Yes. But but all of the stuff that we are shown is limiting in some way. Yes. And it's and it and it's very like small blips of vision. It's that thing that happened in the periphery that you're just like, wait, what was that? Those are the things that I think we need to chase and to say that, hey, look, if there's something happened in your peripheral vision, you ought to fucking look that way. Don't be distracted by the billboard that says, you know, cold laser therapy is the answer to your fucking fat. Or and whatever you're distracted by. Or just forget about the big totally fucking is. shiny LED billboard in front of you. Just yeah. just listen. Listen to the little voice inside. Listen to what is is speaking to you more personally instead of just speaking to everyone. And you know, and I think I think showing people and allowing people to realize their potential is what you guys have done. I think what what Ross has to probably do in his job, what I have to do in my job a lot of times is I have to meet certain standards. But part of my job is showing people what the potential can be. Like what you're trying to do is the same thing everybody else is trying to do, what they've seen. But, you know, if, if, you're, if you really want to do the job, you can, hey, what if you just take a fucking flashlight and some deer antlers, right? Like there's, there's other possibilities here. This can be something else. It can be better than what you're imagining or different. And... I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just stop being so fucking cynical. You guys have like done some <laughs> awesome shit. And it's, it's, it's like, yeah, you know, there's admittedly like as an outsider, I'm just going to say this. There's some kind of some fucking douchebaggy fitness people, no. but I think you guys have kind of come at it like from a respectable place. Here, here's where I'll defend the cynicism is it for that first thing that you had, uh, identified. And also the fact that like the importance of, whatever people describe as the top level like like oh it's the the highest point in fitness is training actors oh that means you've never fucking worked with actors before because the actual physiology involved with that is a beginner level like the actual psychology of that is like it's pretty basic shit when you get to you know a job that matters a job that where lives are dependent and and other things then i i would agree like that's what i can consider the I'm not going to say the highest because I don't think it's like a, a spectrum on that scale of like lowly and high. It's just important and superficial or, or something along that. The cynicism that comes by is because, well, what you just identified in, 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 in your, your passive curiosity of saying like, I wonder what that feels like, um, you just identified something. You just you just described why I like having you in here. Why I've looked at your photos. Why it, it, you don't see a correlation, but I see it clearly. Of you are fundamentally curious about what goes on in the brains of others and in your own head and in what things feel like. And when people are missing that, I am totally uninterested. And that's where my cynicism comes from. When somebody just doesn't give a shit, or they're like, "Ew, I don't want to do that. That looks like it hurts." the fuck are you worth like you don't want to be uncomfortable like what if you missed out on an experience like wow you're unfulfilled with who how where you are right now yet unwilling to change yes so Uh, but you get to comment and you have a means to do it so people will see like a picture of a bike ride that i've done or a place that we went or a captured an emotion at a competition and like oh that's great i'd love to travel uh no you don't 
Because if you did want to travel, you would travel within your own city. You would try to see your own place. You'd be curious about the things that you have access to, let alone try to get across an ocean and see them differently. You'd recognize the details. Yeah, exactly. Or, or you'd give, you know, like, oh, it'd be cool. I'd like to climb Mount Kiliman, whatever the fuck. Um, then why don't you climb the mountain that's in your area? Like, why don't you go to the top of the hill that, like one begets the other like you don't need the fancy like you don't need the fucking Hasselblad fucking XD1 whatever you need a, a cool yeah, pics yeah, you do. to be interested in I do need that yeah. hashtag iPhone I mean, I'll only. take one if you're passing them out I'll take one I would too <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> if they're free you know I'm, I'm here but the curiosity doesn't start on a platform that's a $10,000 car the curiosity starts on what a picture looks like and, and this is the same thing with your curiosity of like I wonder if I could do that that you, you're you already passed like you already <laughs> leaped and bounded past what most people ever express even if they have access to us they don't express that basic thing and that's why um, training you would be at the top level of how to get potential into somebody not how to make somebody not a piece of shit which is what mostly the fitness business is about so christina just came back from vegas group of friends speaking of back. mediocre pieces oh. of shit vegas <laughs> <laughs> because vegas well she had an interesting conversation with someone while she was away and uh, it was basically everything that you just said. Now, <laughs> this friend is not morbidly obese, but cruising in that direction, mid-30s. And Christina, being a fairly upbeat person, is like, oh, have you thought about this? You'd like to change, blah, blah, blah. How, I'm doing this. I'm trying this. This is working for me. And, the re and Christina was horrified by the response. She's like... Yeah, I mean, just like logging food, it just doesn't work for me. Like just tracking, I mean, it's just, just like, she's like, no, 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 just like. Logging food is too embarrassing for me. <laughs> well, that's the thing, but she, straight up, every suggestion was like, oh, that's like, mm. I'm like. Okay. You're five foot one and she weighs more than I do. And every positive suggestion was was kind of responded to and ah well but really but really i'm like well and that's and that's and that is 100 percent okay to have that opinion hmm. now i don't want you to open your mouth to complain about your Correct. current condition <laughs> i want you to only open your mouth to eat drink and then breathe when the sleep apnea kind of thing happens or whatever. But, diabetes. But maybe diabetes not that. But, but, um, but, but just like, no, you don't get to complain then. Like if, if, in, if somebody comes along, I'm complaining about this thing and somebody is there who is who is actually practicing potential solutions and eager yeah. because of friendship and history and that sort of thing to help out and suggest and this and that. Wow. If there's only... Uh, sort of negative responses like oh that didn't work I don't want to do that I, the, no 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 that, that's bullshit I read the paper on, or the not a paper because it wasn't actually on, on paper it was on yeah Facebook. there we go saw it there um, and uh, where all truth goes to die totally yeah <laughs> um, and, and, and 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 if if after that experience I mean it would you know obviously Christina has realized like wow it was a kind of a waste of time and I shall not waste my time in the future I just wish I didn't have to listen to the. Um, so it gets, it, oh. it, it gets better. <laughs> Outstanding. It gets better, and I get there's. 
so my wife started training down here two months ago about yeah probably around two months ago after years of me going now you need to go and like maybe work out with this kind of these kind of people in this kind of space well she wasted her time with what do you mean these kind of people (laughs) (laughs) these kind of people the not cynical people (laughs) no more cynicism more okay more not enough that's the answer too much rah-rah not enough cynicism yeah Uh, but two things also came out of the conversation once was kelsey you should really oh, i just said the name we can bleep that one yeah more, you know but if you you're speaking really loudly like literally half the plane can hear this conversation and christina's like you're not practicing any self-awareness which is the problem <laughs> i was like oh hun cool nice. you're like she's like she was so like not aware I'm well like, played i was like Two months ago, you would not have made that observation or recognized that thing. Mm. And also, it's what came afterwards. I mean, they've been friends for 15, 20 years at this point. And she's like, you know, if we were to go, if I was to, we we're friends because of history. We're not friends because of like current interests and situations. <laughs> I'm like, okay. She's like, and ultimately, if she's not going to listen, we'll screw her. Nice. that's not my that was not my wife like a couple of months ago but just being around people who are not afraid to put in the hard work and say things as they see them and, <laughs> you know just kind of like defluff everything it's contagious it really <laughs> is and i'm just like i can't give you a high five and a hug for this one right now because you it's better that you don't know that you're changing rather than me be like nailed it don't become so self-aware just yes. keep, keep going <laughs> I, we have the like your hopeful message is not helpful. Like you, you instilling hope usually does the opposite of what you think that it does. And we had this conversation last night about feedback, about like, man, a positive remark is the last fucking thing I want to hear from anybody I respect, which sound, which is the opposite of what most people want. People want to be re- like reinstilled and reinforced about their image of themselves like man i want ben to really comment on my picture and tell me how fucking good it is because then a great photographer told me how fucking you know but the biggest gift is actually silence well i I would say the bigger gift is like oh you know what would be good is if you did this instead cool i can learn from that there's nothing i can learn from a fucking compliment other than don't waste my time with a fucking compliment because if it looks good and i'm a decent human being uh, in any regard any subject I I can identify good. Mm. I might not be able to identify the difference between good and great, but that will come with time. I can identify good. So you telling me that it's good, fuck you. Tell me how I can make it better. Like that that essentially is what I want to hear from everybody that I care about. Tell me why it's not about. great. Yeah. Tell me why it's not great. Uh, and that's what I'm that's what I'm motivated by. That's don't what Don't blow smoke up. Mar- I, see for <laughs> me it's like don't blow smoke up Mars, just don't say anything. Yeah. We talked about this with the the first issue of Rays. One of the most helpful things we could have ever done was give it to you. You gave it to your guys who had no connection to us and no reason to bullshit us. And they didn't. They were fucking ruthless about (laughs) everything. I mean, grammar and shit that we think that we're okay. Yeah, and photos too. Like, no, this is the rule. And we're like, oh, well, now I can admit that I had no fucking clue. Because it's become what's extremely obvious to me that I have no clue. And that now what's shit. messed up is he's like, so can we talk to your guys again? Yeah. 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 It's addictive. I, I, it, yeah. <laughs> and you're buying weird books. And, mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, 
the, the masochism of graphic design. <laughs> yeah, my don't, favorite don't book. Dot com, yeah, <laughs> I no, I, I tried to get statistically insignificant.com and um, somebody wants $791.20 for it. Damn it. But coldfuckedupplaces.com is available for eleven ninety eight. So, <laughs> so well played. And, and we can point that to uh, Ben's website. <laughs> so I'm just going to get a... Uh, Cold fucked up place. I don't know, statistically insignificant dot club. Kind of... Dot me. Dot, dot edu. <laughs> I think dot me is not available, but let me check. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Then you point that at someone else's. <laughs> that would just be insignificant, dot me, or irrelevant. <laughs> irrelevant. Sick, oh, that could be statistically irrelevant, dot com. <laughs> There's so many, so many good ones. Oh, yeah. Actually st- get down statistically to insignificant, dot me is available and it's cheap. Nice. Is that one special, like two ninety nine? Yeah, that one's 388. That one could be brutal to point at somebody. I, I like that idea. But <laughs> is there going to be like a master list of all this stuff or it's just, it's kind of, it's ongoing. It, it's on a whiteboard. Yeah. It's ongoing. It's, it's, ongoing. it's, it's somewhat, the, the whiteboard list is not complete because yeah. <laughs> there are some secret ones I need to, you know, I keep, need to keep in the back pocket for just in case this all goes wrong. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> Statistically at Elvin dot me. Yeah. I feel like the numbers are not what uh, I had hoped for. Shit. Okay. I better put that in the cart. And our budget is blown for the day. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would have blown the budget if I'd gone for .com. Oh. I would have blown the budget for many future episodes had I done that. But it's just not, you know. Yeah, it's no. just not quite worth it. Yeah, but I'm definitely going to check out insignificant.me just to see if anybody <laughs> <It's> is. <laughs> just anybody to, to point just that to out. Just to it's not, it's not, It's not coming up as popular. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Insignificant.org is a premium, premium uh, sort of thing. Huh. Thirty-one hundred dollars. Should you want that? Insignificant.com is also premium, but they only want. Well, I can't. It tells me it renews at eleven ninety-eight. I mostly want to see what people already have on these websites. Like that's where I get. That's what curious. I think about when I hear this. I'm like, oh, I wonder what that is, and. <laughs> why is it already some, taken? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Why is it taken? What? Do, and I do. Do I want it in my search history if I go looking? Because like, <laughs> some of these were uh, some of those you don't want in your search history. Yeah. That's pretty. Uh, anyway, the the idea that this stuff is correlated. I mean, this is why we always joke about the fitness thing being like a dumb topic because the the general idea of the lessons that we learned and instill through fitness are paramount to any i think any category that requires the effort and art is definitely one of those and it comes back to it like all the time where you're like wait are you talking about art i thought you're talking like we've learned like this is a lesson that's applicable to this like you cross boundaries and that to hear you say certain things without any experience in the gym is is funny because i can already probably predict if you were to take an interest in such a thing where that would lead you um and and I think I could do the same in almost any category. Like, how does this person view this? Okay, they're going to be just fine. I, that's a it's a tell. Like, it's it's one of those. It's just one of those things that, oh, you have in common what other people have been in this room have in common, and that's why we have a conversation, or or why we want to pursue a conversation with somebody like that. It's it's actually pretty interesting. What 
what's on the the doc? Like you you do obviously mostly documentary, uh, film version stuff. You mentioned some of the stuff that you wanted to work on. We'll leave that you know private conversation stuff. But what, what's next on like horizons of stuff that will. With this in mind, with this capability question, with this uh, creativity question, what do you want to work on that would express all those things? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, because it's not like, yeah, it's always, what do you want? For me, it's what do you want to do? What what can I check off? I mean, I, I guess it's just either, either personally or professionally. Professionally, um, I mean, this is sort of in line with what what you guys do, I guess. And I, I've got a buddy um, who I met in California, but he actually grew up in Anchorage. Um, and he's roughly my age. I met him. I, uh, grown up kind of in rural Alaska. There's always a lot of guns around. So like guns were not a big freaking deal when I was growing up and they were not, they were not a toy. They were a fucking tool. <laughs> There's always one leaning in the corner and it wasn't like, keep it away from the kids. It's like, you fucking know how Teach to use it. You know what you don't do yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. So, and you know, we live rural, so we hunted and stuff. Um, so it's just, I don't know. It's just, it, I've never, it's never been a big deal. So when I, I, the long story is, so this guy, this friend of mine, Chris, I met him like after I'd, one of the dudes that I started climbing with when I moved to California was like a, an armor on movies. Mm. So he handled all them fucking machine guns and, mm-hmm. you know, blank fired stuff. And he would like all the big stuff, you know, like, the biggest movies, Transformers and shit like that. So, um, and he was a really good rock climber and a uh, great friend. But he, I got, someone turned me on to, I was working in a bar and stuff and someone was like, someone got me hooked up um, for this movie. Like you need to talk to these people they're doing and they need like some people who can shoot real guns for this war movie. And uh, I went down. I'm like, all right, I'll go. And I went down, and and uh, they were like, all right, we need like they needed like a bunch of extras mm-hmm. to run around in the background of this World War II movie. And they're like, but, and I was like, I don't want to fucking do that. And they were <laughs> like, uh, but we need like the small group of guys who have to be in the military, and they get to be like part of the actual like guys who are on you know with the the main guys in the movie. And they gotta freaking know how to shoot weapons, and they gotta be in the military. And so I went up, and I'm like, that sounds cool. And I had shot a, I shot like a M1 carbine, yeah, M1 which is a cool little yeah. World War II era weapon. Yeah. And this was a World War II movie. Cool little 30 cal. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. fucking awesome. I yeah. actually wish I owned one. They're so cool and so fun to shoot. But a, a friend of mine who was a, growing up was a Vietnam veteran and he had one and I used to shoot it and it was super fun. So I went up, I went up to the gal who was hiring everybody and I was like, hey, I'm Ben and I'm from Alaska and I'm, I haven't been in the military, but I said, uh, I know a lot about period weaponry which I didn't, but she's like, okay, we had a good conversation and, uh, they were paying those guys like real money. So I'm like, well, this is a cool job. We'll get me out of a bar. Mm. And, uh, so I went to my buddy Chuck who I rock climb with and he's like, oh yeah. He goes, I, we rented them a bunch of weapons for that movie. I know what they got. And, uh, he's like, come down to the shop. So I went down there and he like taught me how to like disassemble a Thompson and a Mm -hmm. BAR and all this world war two stuff. And I fired it fully automatic. And like I went, then, then they, they fucking hired me. And I went in there and I met Chris was one of the dudes and then he became an armor and we became friends. And he was like this kind of chubby dude. And uh, I'm, man, I'm getting into this story the long way. No, but right. I want to give you context yeah. for Chris. But so he was, 
he was kind of this kind of fucking cynical. I mean, you guys probably really like him. He was uh, <laughs> he, he was kind of this fucking cynical dude, and he had been in the Marines, and he had you know been, grew up in in a, in a, in Alaska, and then he moved to Hawaii, and then he became an armor on fucking movie sets. And him and I stayed in touch, and uh, and then I didn't see him for like a decade, and I ran into him on social media or something. And he was all fucking skinny. Like he was pretty tubby back in the day. I hope he okay. fucking doesn't hear this. But he uh, he was <sighs> all skinny and he had long hair and he's just fucking lean and he's doing like fucking running marathons and shit and training for like ultras. And uh, so we went out and I'm like, let's have a beer, man, and catch up. And he was like, he basically got, fuck, he had little kids and his marriage blew up and he was unhappy. And he's like, the story he told me was he, he would come home from work all miserably. He's working for UPS. And he would fucking drink half a bottle of whiskey every night. And he was just doing that week on a week out and super unhappy. And then one day he just went, fuck this. And he was still drinking, but then he would just go out and run and mm-hmm. just being an ex Marine and just being this kind of super stubborn fucking dude. He ex, would basically, a, a Marine knows how to run. Yeah. And over, they know how, and they or, know, yeah, or, still, or still, drunk. or still drunk. Yeah. And you know what? They know how to suffer. Yeah. yeah. They know how to suffer. So he basically did that and just started fucking running like, five, six miles without, you know, off the couch and built his way up and then just leaned up and then became super obsessed with running. Long story short is I, I'm like kind of, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I know you're sort of connected to that, although I don't know, we haven't talked about it, but just in talking to him and for the last couple of years, and I'm, I'm a big fucking guy. Like I'm not ever gonna, I don't know if I could do a marathon. I'm fucking big and I'd have to lean up a lot. And like, I don't know if I really want to, but I'm fascinated with long distance runners mm. just because of I think I almost feel like it's like maybe the pinnacle of what a human can do mentally and physically these guys are girls that are running 200 mile races and stuff I was just gonna say and I'm, so so we're out of marathon realm yeah right oh yeah now. no 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 we're yeah. we're into like into, I'm talking the long ones across rough country and I'm I I'm really interested in that. And I don't even know how to do it, but I'm interested in that as a story and as a, as a, I mean, maybe you guys are learning this about me, but I'm interested in the psychological experience, mm-hmm. kind of what we were talking about earlier of doing a music-based project. I'm interested mm-hmm. in how can I get deep into that and how can I, how can I, how can I put a viewer into that and have them understand that experience in a deeper way? Part of the, part of the issue is like, you know, climbing is a very personal thing. You know this, but fucking climbing movies are usually pretty fucking boring. It's like watching some dude go, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, that's extreme, dude. But you don't, under, you don't understand what that fucking feels like. Yeah. And and it's mm. it's it's been done a few times, but it's really hard to take an audience member or a viewer, an outside person, and put them into that experience. And part of the level, I mean, I just go. Let me circle back to the yeah. fact that we're cynical fucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> has to do compliment with yeah yeah. What I mean, I take it as such. Um, but but part of that has to do with okay, what you're talking about is digging through all the fluff, digging through all the perceptions about yeah. these events yeah. or the experience that someone could have, yeah. and sort of recording and presenting the actual experience itself having like dug down as deep as is required Mm -hmm. and 
and, and this is what, you know, if I say, look, Ray's, the, the reason that the magazine is basically the subtitle is a fistfight with human nature is because that fistfight is with the fluff. That fistfight is with the perception. That fistfight is with the expectations that people have about how they're, they think that they are expected to behave, you know. And so all of a sudden you get into this weird fucking cycle of having expectations about other people's expectations and then behaving according to that. And and then you just realize I should probably uh, not be here anymore. I should just, you know, I should have just had the whole bottle instead of half and then it would have been done. But um, but but, but I, I, I think that's the, the part of the reason for me that with the cynicism is just like, man, we've been digging and digging and digging trying to get through this fluff, trying to get through the perceptions in order to get to the real thing. And it's a lot of work. I mean, it's deep. That stuff is deep. And, and therefore, when you like mentioned a couple of these other sort of music type documentaries that you're familiar with of of it's just, oh, there's, she did that. And it's okay. That's going to be a scene because that's semi-controversial. And then she said that, and that's going to piss off these people. So we got to put that in and, and then we'll get that reaction. And that'll be make our little thing sticky. So we have to go to commercial that, you know, that we left him with like this potential conflict that's about to happen. If you come, you know, if you sit through the five minutes of fucking advertising and come back, well, we'll resolve the conflict for you that we manufactured in the fucking first place. Okay. Let's, and, and and some people would just say, hey, a documentary that to go that deep would take too long. I'm like, well, just don't film the digging part. Let's just go to the deep end right now, mm-hmm. and we don't have to deal with what fucking bathing suit is being worn. Like, we can actually have a conversation, uh, you know, uh, about the deep end. Amen. And... Sorry yeah. to hijack that, but... No, I no, no, just, you, you articulated <laughs> that great, Mark. It's just, you know... A hundred percent. And I'm, I guess I'm just interested in some kind of stories like that. And I think I think I would like to, I've, I haven't ever done it, but I would like to get into that physical realm just as an outsider and see how, how deep I could take a viewer into that. How, like, how, how is that possible? And I'm not really even sure. And you, you have to have the right subject and a lot of these things have to line up, but like, what's, what's possible there? You know, it's, is. I mean, I, I get why you guys are cynical. I get that because it's a lot, and I get the fluff, and I get the man. Yeah, man, change yourself. Man, be your best self. Be Hashtag all these, grind. Yeah, all <laughs> these fucking, all these fucking buzzwords, and it's just like it doesn't it doesn't have any meaning. You like know? a and buzzword it's not, is not a gateway. You're not gonna fucking arrive anywhere. Hmm. You're just gonna go on a journey. There's there's no like, oh, you know what? If I if I in 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 fucking a year from now. Where are you going to be in a year from now? You got to have somewhere else to fucking go. Yeah. Like you're not gonna fucking arrive. That's how I feel. Like mm. you're you're gonna you're gonna keep trying to improve and you're gonna keep trying to push. And you know what I mean? It's yeah. not it's not like because I want to be something different. I want I want to keep being better than I am. So like tomorrow I'll be better than I was today, and the day after that I'm gonna I'm gonna get better and better. That's so. Now I'm really getting off, but that's what photography is for me is that I, I'm, you know, I'm just keep pushing it. And like, I can do a couple things. Okay. Like I kind of know how to do what I do, but like, I'm still, I'm still trying to push that and I'm still trying to find out why and still trying to, trying to make it better or different or deeper, you know? Yeah. And like, I think, um, I think if, if you can, if you can really look at someone or something, or a situation, or or a person, someone who's going to push themselves like in a in a super ultra marathon, like a two hundred mile race or something. And if you can understand that, and understand what that feels like a little better, what it takes to do that, the mm-hmm. the, the toll it's going to take, 
and 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 the commitment it's going to take and and the pain maybe in in seeing that and feeling that you might understand yourself a little better and you might understand you know what you could do a little better and uh i'm i'm just interested in that you know and i i want to you know, throwing it out to the universe, but those are those are the kinds of things I'm kind of interested in. Is like the the sort of the sort of limits and the people that are at 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 the limits of those types of physical things. That's kind of what we're interested in too. <laughs> I to a, I think you you brought up kind of a um, a cool uh, thought at least that I have is that um, you're a storyteller. Um, and you're trying to tell stories that, that can be captured in a time domain that's efficient, but also tell a story from start to finish. And one of the misconceptions is that um, stories don't generally finish uh, how we expect them to. Like our rom-coms are how we expect life to unfold. Like, yay, I got married and that was the, the burden that I had to overcome. You know, I had, to fly, I had to run to the airport and give her flowers at the right time and then everything was okay. And you're like, anybody who has been married is like, um, that's not when the story ended. <laughs> it really that's isn't. Either whether it's a tragedy or a comedy or, you know, an actual love story, that, that is not what it is. And uh, before we even started, I wrote this kind of funny thing down here because it, I don't know why, but um, he was talking about giving you a camera. And I had this kind of weird thought of like, Mark has been on multiple journeys. And one of the hallmarks of a good story or a good journey is that they come back with some elixir. And nobody knows what that elixir is. Like in, in story format, I think um, incapable people think of an elixir being an answer. And I think of an elixir being a tool. And what I just saw him go on an adventure and give you was a tool because a tool to capable people leads to more journeys. But an answer to, uh, well, an answer to a capable person isn't an actual a thing. It's, it's a helpful tool as well. But to an incapable person, an answer um, stops a journey. Like, oh no, he went there and he told me what it was like. I don't need to do that anymore. And all this, I don't want to make this a black and white thing, but there's this really interesting thing where, where now I think like if you can give somebody a gift as in knowledge or a tool, you want to see what they're capable of with those added things because I went on my journey and I didn't have this. And now that it came back, I want to pass this on. And, you know, CJ is a, a guy um, around here that creates things through craftsmanship. He's like, a, he could build anything that he wants and he, he got into knife making and i was like yeah like <laughs> fuck yeah yeah i'm like this is gonna be fucking cool to watch just because i know his personality and i really appreciate the craft and i also know what he's up against which is uh to be really good at that is gonna take a decade but i'm gonna get to see it from the start and so one of the things like he, he did me a favor and one of the things that i, wa I wanted to give him something that a showed my appreciation for what he had done for me, but also this thing where I'm like, I literally bought him a tool, a hammer. It was a forging hammer. And I was just like, I want to give him that and then see what happens with it. I have nothing to do with it. I've done nothing. I like that purchase cost me next to nothing. And what hopefully comes from it will be the same thing that Mark saw in giving you a film camera, which is like, 
I'm going to push this motherfucker down the hill and see how fast he goes. <laughs> like it's not, it's not, <laughs> it is not necessarily a, a gift <laughs> because as you know, these things can become obsessions and these obsessions, if not controlled correctly, can derail and cause psychosis. And that like anybody who's capable should danger on psychosis if they're good at what they do. And I just, I, I, I wanted to kind of punch back at that because um, how I see it is like when you were describing like our cynicism, I see that as we're just purveyors of capability. Like I just like to really meet people that are capable and however I can help them be more capable, I want to be part of that because that's part of my own thing. I think one of the, the challenges is, is everyone's on a journey, but too many people remain journeymen. You know, the, the idea of to go on a journey is like he's saying, come back with an elixir, you know, the, I think with the hammer and with the camera, it's like, don't come back as a, don't come back as a journeyman. There are enough basic people out there that are content to kind of fall within that realm. Except that what you're actually describing is there's a lot of apprentices. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> journeyman journeyman takes some hours wait, wait. and some focus and some dedication. Reliable, actual... but not that great. Yeah. There's Ooh. a lot of, no, there's a lot of apprentices out there who whose handles on Instagram include master. Like, I'll just say there's there's people that don't know that they're an apprentice and they're act, like they go on fake journeys and, and that like and it's not a, it's not a pejorative to be an apprentice. I still think of myself as one, not in this weird like oh, I'm a beginner's mind kind of person because I read a book on it and it was a New York Times bestseller. But in the sense that you probably did read that book though, man, I didn't. I don't read that kind of shit. <laughs> I, I read weirder shit than that. There's <laughs> less, you know, meaningful. I, I if I ever don't have somebody to teach me something, I am doing something fucking wrong. It which is either I am unteachable. Or I'm not putting myself in the right circumstance that people want to teach me stuff. And that, that, that is a disservice to your own journey. Like never putting yourself in a circumstance where people could teach you or where you can learn means that, uh, yeah, fuck, it's over. Like just end it right now because like literally like just popping out babies and doing this whole thing, this thing called fucking, you know, systematic whatever representation of life where you have the two and a half kids in the house and the thing. And, and if there's no lessons involved in there, then I, I just don't, I, I don't understand. Like that to me is like the part of nihilism that is. I think there's a lot of people that don't actually even start the journey. They don't know. I mean, they just, they, they never, they never question. They never like pause to, to think about the system that they've been placed into. And so I think they just go along as, you know, right. They're, they're not, a, they're not curious. Like, and then that's one of those but we things. Try and so. kick that out kids. Like that's a, that's like the whole thing. Like stop mm. questioning, stop exploding, stop having fun, mm. you know, and it's broken. I mean, it's so broken. Like why? So my nephew, when I first met him, you know, nine, 10 years ago, literally every Everything I said, he'd ask why. And he gets a place like, can you please stop saying why? But then I caught myself, I'm like, I'll always answer the question if it's always. a real question. Uh, for sure. Because that shouldn't stop because, you know, it's like Rory's like, well, why should you do this? Or Pierce is like, but why? And it's, it's, we're impatient. We screw our faces up and you're like, 
the worst answer I can give a kid, in fact, probably anyone, is because I said so. And people will ask why I'm so long-winded, but it's because I don't think that there's ever an end to these questioning. Like when my stepdaughter asks a question, and when she was five and six, like the questions were enormous. And honestly, some of them are really enlightening. Like some, I mean, a child will tell you what you don't want to admit yourself and you need to figure out. So she would go on these tangents about why, what, this, that, and I would answer it until she got tired. <laughs> and when I didn't have an answer, we would look it up and we'd go find it. Like, in the, and I, I saw the same thing as like, why would you ever want to kill curiosity in somebody? Curiosity might kill you, but you don't want to <laughs> kill that in another individual because and I'd like them to have that tool available. Mm. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, maybe that is the one thing that we could define of what we're looking for in, in capable human beings is like this notion of curiosity. How, how can I see this different? How can I, it's always a question of what you think is possible. It's never, it's never a question of when the end is here. Like, I don't think that would ever be a curiosity. Like, when does this end? It's always like, what can I do with this before the fucking time is running out? I don't know. I've had a bunch of workouts. I'm just like, when does this end? There's, and you can you might experience that on does 2K. before I do. Yeah, <laughs> but something is terminal about this, and I'm it's fifty fifty on mere it. I don't, I've done a lot of working out. I'm still really curious as to why certain things feel a certain way, or what like how is this going to work out? He asked a quote like, "What does that feel like?" That's still my my uh, knee jerk reaction to like not understanding a workout or a feeling or a sensation or an ultra marathon is like, I wonder what that does feel like most of the time enough to go and physically find out because even if I can answer that simple question, it'll lead to another one, which is what is 250 miles feel like or whatever the next thing is, the next jump, which is insane to me. But I think that's a great, like for you to find that that's an interesting thing, like, oh, I want to document this. I'm like, you'll have fun with that one. I, I can guarantee you would have fun with that one. Uh, if you haven't seen the Barclays Marathon, documentary i haven't seen it Fuck i haven't yeah. seen it like <laughs> you're gonna it's on netflix yeah. okay yeah, yeah. And, and that that it's not i wouldn't say that it's yeah. done excellently i just say they they captured something in there that's worth going deeper into and it may, maybe it's not ultra running maybe it's another long event but because all these things are very similar like swimming running cycling just, long distance uh, journeying going up mountains whatever this thing is they all, they have something in common and it has something to reflect on the human spirit i think there's something about running that's fascinating because like swimming you can be like stop swimming you drown climbing you fall off a mountain or you give up it's like run walking is the most basic thing that kids learn to do by the age of one ish and what's the quick point for someone when they're running like no, you you you're unable to perform the basic function that a one year old can do at this point. Like, what does that look like? What's the jump like from a hundred to hundred and fifty miles, or a hundred to two hundred miles? That if that my, would be a if, fascinating thing to. If my endurance effort doesn't end with me doing what a six month old can do, which is curl up in the fetal position, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, I guess I didn't go far enough. I didn't find my or, nat natural well, state. <laughs> there is something about uh, that running, and I, I've said this multiple times because there's a big thing in the in the like fitness, uh, I'm not gonna call it a community because fuck all those people. The, hey, the the, you, you're part it, of the community, I see your t-shirt. It is an industry, for sure. Um, 
it's an industrial complex is what it is. But there, there is this notion that people, they like, oh, you don't have to run to get in shape. You don't have to do this thing. Like running is bad and cardio is a waste of time. And like running might be the one human aspect that allowed us to survive over millennia. Like you, the ability- You never had to try and chase your food. Well, yeah, but, but, but we can, out, people don't know this. We can't out sprint things, but we can outrun almost every other living organism on, on the planet. And that is a very, you know, misunderstood fact about humans that we can sweat. Other animals can't do that. They have to perspire through their mouth, which doesn't allow them to cool down efficiently. So we have this like running is in our nature. And we talk about cycling and I won't compare, which is, uh, better or worse, but there is this fundamental thing that on a bike, when you give up, you're still coasting a little bit. And therefore that, that gap in time allows you to, okay, reassess, uh, shake it out. Okay. Start pedaling a little bit. Okay. It's not that bad it, it the limits of, uh, of endurance running. When you decide to stop, you're stopped. There is a consistent message that you have to send to your legs to keep going. There is no coasting. There is no making it easier. Each step is a, a conscious decision. And that, that makes it an exploratory thing for a psychological uh, study. That's interesting. Yeah, you're not moving forward anymore. Mm. And with all that, that, that comes with that, yeah. like you recognize your lack of progress. You recognize <laughs> that you have stopped. You recognize that man, this feels better. Forward momentum has ceased. Uh, right, which is, I just quit. And I'm in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. Or, yeah, uh, or the, bar <laughs> the Barclays, like, I quit seven hours ago. It took me seven hours to quit. <laughs> like, to get back to where I parked <laughs> yeah. the car. Yeah. Like, yeah, I quit the race. I just had to, I just was in the wrong state when I <laughs> quit. So... <laughs> <laughs> that that to me that that is a, a fascinating subject and and the more well the more in tune the people the, that can capture that is but the interesting thing about it i think to me is is okay it would it, it is generally when i've seen some uh documentation about that is that the the, the people who are the subjects of it the people who can go that far have been almost across the board incapable of describing it well that therein lies the challenge right yeah absolutely how do you crack that nut open yeah how do you enter into that you know and it's hard it's, it takes that sort of it takes that sort of lightning in a bottle it takes the right subject it takes the right circumstance yeah um and then it takes actually not fucking it up mm. as the guy who's trying to capture it and like you know there's not getting in the way not getting in the way you know just just that right fucking balance you know and uh i don't know it's, it's interesting that 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 type of immersion is interesting that's why you know we talked earlier about doing a music documentary i would just want the time i want the time yeah. to earn that immersion so the emergence is so, uh, emergence has a really cool definition in 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 physics and, and in math um but what i think you're trying to capture would be really hard like he mentioned uh his wife and about two months ago there's like this shift in mentality and what i see it is that like if you could capture it, there's no way to predict this but people that become drawn to running or ultra stuff if you could capture the day before when they weren't interested and like you described your friend the day after they decided that this is the thing the mileage doesn't matter 
the that trans that that psychological transition from it becoming a tool that they could use to explore their own brain in a better way than sitting and watching TV and being miserable. That transition would be cool to capture, like that. Whatever that is, impossible to do, but also the event that it's like I'm gonna run a marathon. Yeah, don't care because if you you've made if you've done the things that allow you uh, to explore that world who cares what the mileage is like you already made the adjustment in your head that allowed you to explore physicality well yeah i mean the the yes the change is the sweet spot right mm -hmm. because drama drama comes from conflict conflict usually comes from change and so the change is the key and I, i'm sure that you guys have seen this in, in training people you know you see day one is one thing there's all this i'm sure apprehension and stuff from your subjects or from your, your clients. And then at some point, there is a transition in them where they either buy in or they submit <laughs> or they whatever. And then oftentimes there's maybe a change back or rebellion, but the, you know, the, those, those conflicts, that's probably where you earn your money is what, where, you know, either, either manage those moments, managing those moments or, or forcing those moments or, yeah. or whatever it takes, right? That's the sweet spot. And that's, that's where that's where your skill comes out, and those are the those are the things that I think as a storyteller you lean into and you're you're looking for you're looking for the for something to change. Yeah, yeah, and maybe sometimes people who are documenting stuff you know inject too much of their own sort of presence in order to cause that thing to happen. Dude. But that's um, you know that's someone with the deadline that uh, you know is working for. Uh, you know, somebody that has a particular outcome in mind, maybe. Well, that's that's it. And I guess in my line of work, that's the thing that I rebel against or that I deal with a lot is like, oh, there's, you know, the story hasn't started, but we kind of want it to end here. And it's like, <sighs> okay, I mean, I'm, I'm not really interested in that, you know? I want, you know, you know authenticity is important. Like, let's, let's freaking, let's just see what happens because it might be better than you can imagine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess, yeah. And I mean, yeah, we could, we could subscribe to your flow chart, you know, about this is where it starts. And this is, these are the moments of conflict. And this conflict is created by this change that we sort of impose or enforce or whatever. And then it's going to end up down here and the output is going to be this. And it's all going to be done in 26 minutes, you know, or whatever, you know, that, 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 that piece is and getting people. And this has happened at, you know, some different times you know, when discussing, whether it's a documentary project or it's a book project or it's something, it's just like, oh, well, that formula, which is your job, that's great. We need to stop talking now because that's not what we're going to do. That's not what we're interested in. I don't even want to hear your opinion on it anymore if you're not willing to sort of be sort of more flexible with this idea of a formula. Like, okay, the stories, I'm sorry, it, uh, the story doesn't have a commercial break. <laughs> well, it's true. And, you know, people, and Ross knows this, this is kind of what we talked about before, but the, the paying clients, they want to know how the story ends. Yeah. But uh, the good stories, you don't really know how they're going to end. So, And those are typically the ones that are memorable because if we already know how it's going to end, then why do we not just, well, it's not even a point of fast-forwarding scrubbing whatever you want to call it it's the point of like well if i know it's going to end i don't even need to i just save myself a whole bunch of time if you just you know 
if, if it's the formula, then I know how it's going to end and everyone's going to be happy. And you know, that person's going to get married. We're never going to know how that turns out, but we can, I mean, guess there's a 50, guess. 50 chance yeah. that it doesn't end <laughs> or, well or this or that. And I think, yeah, having the finding or, or making these situations where we have the freedom to actually explore the whole story without the, yes, the, if we started early on to talk about, yes, these limitations enforce creativity or allow some creativity or create creativity. Um, but I don't want those things to be th those limitations to become so formulaic. I want those, you know, let's impose them so that they, so, so that something different happens as opposed to imposing these things so that the same thing happens. hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think, um, I think we need to wrap it guys. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, TikTok, let's see, sun's going down in uh, two hours and 20 minutes. Oh. And uh, we need to get our full-size sensors out there. In it. <laughs> I was, w when you texted me last night, I was, we were coming back from out there by the racetrack where I uh -huh. said we were. And uh, I get your text and my buddy John's driving and I'm like, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't know who you guys are. He's no idea, yeah. right? Like, so I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, yeah, my buddy Mark says, uh, we're going to have physical activity and bring good footwear. And I'm like, yeah, I said, you don't even understand how fucking ominous this sounds to me right now. <laughs> it, it, perfect. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm, I can't wait. I, I need to go out to my car and get, uh, get some footwear. Yes, sir. <laughs> something nice. Thank you so much for finally making it out here. Uh, this has been, and it, I, I think it, it's going to be since you will, you know, uh, I think you agreed to help, you know, to, to contribute, to participate in some of this stuff. Think we could be, say voluntary <laughs> or involuntary, either way. I, I, I really appreciate it, guys. Fine. And, and uh, Mark, thank you again for the camera because it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving and I love carrying it around. And I, I, it's, it's like, you know, interesting conversations every day. I don't, you know, when we saw you today and uh, came, <laughs> there's the camera and it's on, you know, I'm just like, fucking A. That's a, that's a thing that started some years ago, I would say like four years ago or something. I don't even yeah. know. And yeah, it's still giving. And, and, uh, maybe next time we'll talk about how, uh, how that shit came back around. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thanks you guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks.